Hey, how's it going, Mike? What's up, man? Hey, how's your day going? <laughs> how's your day going, man? Why are you asking me about my day? It's going good. I'm I, I'm fucking sequestered, working like working my ass off because Mike Glover fucking oh, makes no. his people work dude, hard. Dude, you you have so ever since Kev got this service dog, he does recreational breaks because it's part of the training regime. He says I have to. So every twenty minutes, he has to go no. outside for thirty minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and he throws the ball, but he throws the ball to himself, so, which is weird. I was like, "Where's the dog?" And you can't say nothing because you like dogs. I know I love dogs. Mm-hmm. That's acceptable here. Mm-hmm. Um, so hey, I want to let you guys know we are a sponsored podcast. We are brought to you by KillCliff.com. I always like KillCliff. Starting out with KillCliff because we have a KillCliff Cliff fridge here, and uh, we are literally powered by energy drinks from KillCliff. That's all I could do is wake up and I'm like, "Where's my ignite?" Where's my CBD energy drink? The fridge is next to the couch. So if the fridge is empty, I'm curling up in the couch and taking a nap. That's it. That's it. It's either or. Um, Killcliff.com also supports the Navy SEAL Foundation, which is great because you know any company that's taking and giving back profits, uh, helping nonprofits, especially the Navy SEAL Foundation, which helps uh, active and veteran Navy SEAL families, uh, is super important. Um, Killcliff.com, use the coupon code survival one zero to save 10 percent on checkout also this podcast is sponsored by bcm bravo company manufacturing bcm makes the best ar-15 platforms in the world we've been sponsored by bcm for about three years i'm a sponsored gunfighter for them uh, but we also sell bcm we don't openly advertise that we sell bcm because uh, we don't have a ffl but we sell the uppers if you're interested in the uppers hit us up at info at philcraftsurvival.com and get on the list because it's a long list. Yeah, the upper is just a gun part. It, it can be shipped right to your house. That's it. Yeah. It can be direct. Mm-hmm. Um, also, this podcast is sponsored by triarchsystems.com. Um, some of my favorite people in the world are the small businesses that we're networked with. Chris Reeves, Jimmy, the guys at, at uh, Triarch Systems are some of my favorite people. Um, they bust their ass every single day. They give back anytime they can. And we're strategically aligned and partnered um, most importantly, their product is prime. I mean, the, the pistols, beautiful. yeah, the beautiful, pistols, yeah. the carbines, the truck gun, you borrowed the truck oh, gun yeah, uh, yeah. on the way to Utah. Yeah. They make superb um, custom guns. You can check them out at triarchsystems.com and use the coupon code PhilCraft, one word, to save 5% on any build, which mm-hmm. is a good deal. Yeah. Um, also, this podcast is sponsored by Casey Highlights. I have a podcast um, by the time you hear this, it'll probably be the same week with the CEO, Alan, of Casey Highlights. I'm also doing a live feed next week, which will be Tuesday of next week. Um, this will probably drop uh, probably tomorrow or the, or the uh, early in the week. Uh, Casey Highlights, I'm doing a, a live feed with them on their Instagram. If you didn't know it, I'm a sponsored um, member of Casey Highlights. They support guys and companies, guys and gals and companies uh, in the overlanding community. Big fan of Casey Highlights. They're small business owned. They're Asian, which is just a bonus. I actually think they're Korean, which will be interesting. Wow. Um, they're just primed for uh, doing good stuff in the community. Even with all the things that are going on, they're still staying tuned in. Uh, you guys could use Philcraft, one word, to save 10% at checkout on kchighlights.com. I just got that sweet light bar installed by Summit uh, on the big diesel go rig truck. Um, you had the opportunity to... Actually, you know what? Before we get into that, I do want to mention Dometic. Um, if you go on shop.dometic.com, shop.dometic, D-O-M-E-T-I-C.com, um, and use our coupon code FIELDCRAFT, lowercase, you could save uh, on free shipping, which for a fridge mm-hmm. or any accessory like batteries, fridges, et cetera, um, is a good deal. 
But I want to throw that out there because we're strategically aligned with Dometic now. Great company. They're Sweden-based, um, doing a lot of stuff in the overlanding. We're going to do more stuff in the future with Dometic. Uh, and we run Dometic fridges. We have power uh, banks uh, on the way. We're just going to get tied into those guys, and uh, I want you guys to stay, save as well. Uh, so, hey, you got the opportunity to catch up with uh, Angel Cortez straight out of LEX. We flew him in here yesterday. Yep. How'd that go? Went good. Um, I really didn't know what to expect because I didn't know much about him. But uh, uh, kid joined the army. You know, a little bit of a troubled background, a little bit of problem with, with police, inner gangs, inner city. Um, kind of rose above it. Went into the military, became an army ranger, um, a combat engineer, and then an army ranger. And uh, I, I like stories like that where kids are. Like you grew up in the inner city of LA, the, the deck is stacked against you. It's it's almost predetermined that you're going to have problems with the law, and you get one arrest, you're not joining the army, you know. So he did real well to steer clear of that, and uh, yeah, yeah, it, this, the deck was really stacked against him, and he rose above it, and he did really well. Did a couple of deployments, long, long ass deployments in Iraq and Afghanistan, and. Um, had some issues getting, you know, you always think about uh, people having problems and all that. And you always think about guys who were in the army their whole life, like me and you, right? Yeah. But some kids do eight years and come out. And, and if that, those eight years were in the in the 2000s, then they caught a lot of combat. And he get out now and he's he's uh, he's going to college and he talked about some of the struggles he had. So it was a really good interview. Yeah, I enjoyed it. That's awesome, man. Because I, I think, you know, in the context of survival, in our genre of preparedness, people need to understand people's stories mm -hmm. coming from, you know, getting over um, obstacles in life and that mm -hmm. diversity that it brings you and mm -hmm. uh, coming out of it. Uh, it improves your mindset, improves your capabilities on dealing with things that you face in everyday life. Yeah, it's, yeah, really resilient young man, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, very impressed with him. And, uh, yeah, we had a good conversation. Let's do it, man. Let's kick this off. Okay. Welcome back to the Philcraft Survival Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Kevin. Uh, Mike is uh, out doing some media stuff right now. So uh, I just picked this young man up from the hotel. He came in last night, flew into Prescott to do this podcast. And Angel Cortez spent eight years in, in the military, uh, a little bit in the infantry, from what Mike told me, and then Ranger Regiment, right? Yes. So we're going we're gonna to talk about just your journey through. Uh, we get a lot of young guys who are interested in joining the military and, and um, not really sure what path to take. And a lot of them want to go to Ranger Regiment because uh, I would say if you had your choice, and I've never been in Ranger Regiment, but Ranger Regiment is really, really almost a perfect place to start because uh, a lot of junior enlisted and they, they build you up and build you up. And um, I know Ranger Regiment do a great job of building that esprit de, esprit de corps and, and keeping people like rangers. There's guys who've been in SF for 15 years that still wear a ranger combat scroll, right? And they still <laughs> they still consider themselves rangers before Green Berets, right? Absolutely. So there's something that the ranger regiment does right. And uh, I'm an SF guy. I've been a Green Beret for 18 years. I think ranger regiment's probably the most professional organization in the U.S. military, I would say, right? Um from my experience in working with them, right? So uh, we're, we're going to get into that journey and uh, we're going to talk about, you know, what led you to this point in your life. But uh, but first, let's talk about it uh, because you flew in through LAX yes. in, into Prescott yesterday. Um, what's, uh, you're from a, from a densely populated area, right? Orange County? Yes. Yeah. So 
just tell me the general feel of things right now with the coronavirus and, and what you see from your point of view. Because I always like to get people's different perspective. And, uh, you know, how has that, that trip been here and how's your daily life been changed? Well, um, since I got out, I started going to school to become a registered dietitian. And we heard about it in the school, made announcements saying that we're aware of this, you know, coronavirus and and everything's on schedule. All classes are still going on. And then little by little, they were saying non-essential, like, if, if only if you had to meet up in person, do it. And then one day they're like, all classes are, all classes are canceled. Mm-hmm. And uh, what are you going to school for? Sorry, I didn't catch uh, it. To become a registered dietitian. Okay. Okay. Cool. Um... So are you doing online classes right now? Yes. Yeah, so everything turned on, on online, and then soon right after that, they were saying, you know, they closed down the bars. They they said, you know, all the gyms are closed and everything. And being in a heavy populated area, it's a very weird thing to see. Mm-hmm. Um, no one's out. Um, you can get anywhere like in twenty minutes, thirty minutes, which is it's impossible. Normally, no, no LA traffic anymore, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, LA is famous for its gridlock traffic. Yes, yeah. to, to get to the airport, it said twenty four minutes, and I was like, "That doesn't make sense." Yeah, usually if you if you can pick up a friend or a family member, and it'll tell you an hour and a half. You're like, "Yeah, yep. okay, yeah, yeah." It, it's weird for us here because we're very isolated up here. It's a small community, and things haven't changed that much for us, right? We're already social distancing, but uh, I always like to see where where these big cities are going. What do you think of the the California government and? Uh, your county, what do you think of their response so far? Has it been adequate? Do you think they're doing the right thing? Um, are people following the guidance? Uh, so far, yes. I'm surprised that I think just a lot of a lot of people for the first time have to. They feel they feel um, not safe or attacked, and you know, as opposed to like service members when you're overseas, you you know that feeling, and people are just like they're listening because they they never had that much mm-hmm. stress put on them so they're like okay the government said to stay in we'll mm-hmm. stay in yeah no one's on the roads you you see videos of, of if somebody did go out and and like they showed a video on, on instagram of like at the beach or a, a big park and no one's there yeah but on any given day even not even a weekend it would be packed and nobody's there um so i think i think the response of the people in, in the in the government the local government so far is is act is it's good but there there are some people that just like I can't be in my house. I got to get out. You know, yeah, I got to yeah. get out. Um, well, that, that's the big question. How long does it last? And how long will people put up with it, right? Yes. Uh, at a certain point, people are going to be like, you know what? Screw this. I'm going back to work, right? I, yep. And uh, I, I think we're trying to just get through the next two weeks and then reassess where we are. So what, what was LAX like? It it was a ghost town. It was. It, I felt like I was in a movie. I, I got there in 20 minutes. Um, I was the only one on on... Flying United that day, or yesterday. You had the whole plane to yourself. Yeah, had the whole plane to myself. It, it's bizarre. It's like it's. A, I'm in a movie right now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. That that that's crazy, man. Weird times, right? Yeah, strange times for sure. All right. So Mike didn't give me much on your background. He kind of dropped this on my lap yesterday, and um, he just told me like you were in Ranger Regiment and, and, and a few other things. So we're gonna walk through your journey. Um. The, like I said, you know, go into as much detail as you want, go down the rabbit hole, and um, we'll, we'll, we'll get going. So we're going to go all the way back, and I want you to tell me where you were born, um, 
how many in your family, you know, family values growing up and kind of walk that journey up to the point where he joined the army and, and um, talk, talk about the mindset that kind of drove you into the army. Yeah, so okay. um, I'm the first one in my family to be born in the United States and um, I, I was born and raised in Found Valley, California. Um, where are your parents from? Mexico. So mm-hmm. they're both from Puebla, which is actually, I think, pretty, pretty much closer to the other border than the U.S.-Mexico border. Mm-hmm. And we were poor, very poor, and, and you know, going to sleep, sometimes not eating was normal, uh, wearing hand-me-downs or maybe the same clothes the same week was normal. Um, school was difficult for me because everyone at, at my house spoke Spanish. If we watched TV, it was Spanish, so the only time I had any, any interaction with English or the American culture was at school. And... You know, my parents weren't, they weren't the greatest parents. You know, they were, they had us very young. Um, my parents split up. Uh, they were very, uh, you know, physically and mentally abusive. You know, my, my dad would, he, whenever he would show up, it was just to beat us. Um, my mom would constantly tell us that we, you know, ruined her life and, and stuff like that. And, you know, so we lived, we were born and raised in, in poor neighborhoods. How many, and, how many siblings? It's four of us. How many? It's four. 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 Okay. Yeah. 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 And um, well, when you're poor, you I mean, you live in, in in rough neighborhoods. So you know, I was around you know gang members, drugs, you know everything that comes with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I kept out of trouble for the most part, and I I used skateboarding as my escape. I love skateboarding, and but uh, as I got as I became a teenager, uh, I realized that. I had to make a decision if in that area I was either going to stand up for myself or I was every now and then going to get punked by, you know, the local guys. Mm -hmm. So I decided to, you know, fight back. And then unfortunately with that is that then you yourself have to align with another group. So, and then that led me into a lot of trouble. With gangs? Yeah. Did you join a gang? Yes. At how old? Um, 15. Okay, did they did they purposely try to recruit kids that that older or or that young or even younger? Yeah, yeah. You know? I, I mean, I I noticed right off the bat, like even if you're like a nine year old, and they they can manipulate you mm-hmm. and try to make you into one of them, they'll do it. What's the draw for a young man for gangs? For for me, yeah, it, it was at the time it was. Um, and I'll never forget this day. It's because we were in front of our school, we were skateboarding, and one of the one of the you know, this game member decided to use one of our skateboards and I can tell he didn't want to give it back. And I was angry. And, but I realized right away that the majority of my group wasn't going to do anything to get that skateboard back. So I decided, I was like, well, I'm not going to get punked every now and then. And I want to fight and hold my ground. And I don't like these guys. So it was for, for self-preservation defense. And at the time I didn't know, but now, you know, I was angry. I was I had an empty hole. I didn't have a father figure. I didn't have uh, love in my childhood. So I was looking for it. I was looking for, you know, some sort of family, some sort of uh, belonging. And I was angry. So, so you know, there, there's a lot of talk about this, about uh, in some minority communities, there's a lot of fathers' homes, you know, and not having that father figure. 
And I mean, my dad was home, but he wasn't really a father figure for me. But uh, for, for you, do you think that was a big driving factor in your life? Um, I mean, how did that, how does that influence a young man when he doesn't have somebody like to go to, 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 you know, mentor him? Huge. It, it was huge because I had no guidance. I had nobody taught me right versus wrong mm -hmm. um, on, on how to be a decent human being. You know, I was lost. Yeah. Yeah. And, and um, like at how old, like I, I assume you probably did petty crime and stuff like that growing yeah, up. Yeah. Um, well, one thing about me that I realized is that when I get into something, I really get into it. And once I joined that lifestyle, I mean, by it was 14 or 15 when I joined and within a year and a half, I'd already owned my first firearm. I owned a bulletproof vest, um, you know, being in fights and, you know, shootings and stuff like that. That was normal. Really? You know, I had friends killed um, when I was 16. Mm -hmm. You know, so so having somebody who you hang out with one day, and you, you know, just messing around, joking around, and the next day you're like, oh, you know, where's so-and-so? They're like, oh, he got shot yesterday. Really? You're like, I just saw him. We were mm -hmm. just hanging out. Yeah. Um, you know, that was normal. Uh, the, the kids you grew, grew up with, did... Did they get pulled into that life too? Have any of them kind of risen above it like you, or, or were, were they dragged down that hole? Well, some of them were already born into that. Like their their parents were like that, their uncles were already like that. But some were pulled, like myself. And there was a, a tight group of of five of us, and unfortunately, uh, only three of us actually made it out and made something decent. Mm -hmm. Two got lost to drugs, and one's in prison for the rest of his life. Of like the really close, mm -hmm. close group of friends, um, and the ones who I just knew every, you know, who I would hang out with. I mean, they're yeah. in prison. I mean, I I didn't grow up like that, but but I did grow up as a young man with a lot of anger, I, and you don't know where to put that anger. So I f was in a lot of fights very young in my teens and stuff like that, and that anger didn't leave me till I was probably into my twenties, you know. Um, so it, it's yeah, you grow up with with uh, with all that bottled up emotion, and yep. ang anger is the way to to get it out of you, right? Yep. Yep. Um, drugs. Yeah, and um, I started doing drugs, um, but I was poor, and I was doing a lot of bad things, and I knew they weren't they weren't the right thing. I knew that they wasn't gonna last. There's no lifestyle to this, and um, I knew my dad being absent that. I had to do something for my brother and sister, so I started selling drugs. Mm -hmm. And I would use that money to buy them clothes, feed them, you know, put gas in my mom's car, mm -hmm. feed myself, clothe myself. Um, but even then, I knew I was like, I can't do this forever. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. So you did know right from wrong, even at a young age. But yeah. but that's what you did. Um, any run-ins with the police? Oh, all the time. You know, I mean, the local gang gang unit. They knew my name. They they knew everything. Um, about me, uh, you know, I've had my, my house raided by SWAT. Um, you know, we've had, I mean, yeah, they knew us. What kind of drugs? Um, well, so as a group, we sold everything, but me, I just sold, I just sold weed, which weed. is, yeah, which is funny that now it's legal. And I back know, then right? I was so scared. Yeah. You were so scared. You, you, cause I knew guys who were doing years for marijuana. So, mm -hmm. and then now it's just. I know. Right. It's crazy. Yeah. Right. Um, but as a group, we sold everything. Really? Yeah. And uh, I I didn't like to touch any other stuff because the harder the drugs, the weirder the people got. And the stranger the times, 
Because like mm-hmm. my friend who was selling coke, he would he was getting calls, you know, one two in the morning. Yeah. Was there a lot of money in it? it when you're poor, yeah. Mm. So I had um. I did have a full, uh, well, not a full time job, but I had a job where I um, I was in the shipping department for a company that fixed airplane parts, and I would work about four or five days a week. Um, but me selling weed in the night, I would make more than I did in the two weeks mm-hmm. working there. Yeah, it's hard to turn that down when you're young. Yeah, I need money, right? Yeah, and um, when you have absolutely no money, when when you know, I grew up borrowing my friends' clothes because I didn't want to wear the same clothes over and over. Yeah. Um, in school, you know, I would tell my uh, my classmates like, "Are you going to eat that? Like their pizza or whatever?" Because I knew that was this was the only time I was going to eat. Really, you know. In third grade, we had a teacher who would every other week bring us bowls of spaghetti that she would cook for us because she knew mm-hmm. like this family's poor. Mm. I got to help them out. Are your siblings older or younger? Um, I have an older brother. Yep, and then two younger ones. Um, my older brother. I don't really talk to him. I don't even. I don't even address him or anything because he is everything that he's just a terrible human being. So he wasn't obviously a role model for you. Mm-hmm. Was he into the same stuff? No, he. I mean, growing he was, up. Yeah, he was in jail, so like I never really oh, saw him. Oh, really? Okay. Um, and uh, but my br- my brother and my sister, I, I knew I felt like I had to do something for them, mm-hmm. so that's why I was doing a lot of things. I mean, I don't justify my actions. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, you know, we, we all make mistakes as a kid, right? But yeah. you, you rose above it and, and you went around it. Let me ask you about the, the attitude in your community towards the police. Um, well, there was local, there was there was people that liked the police. They, they, I can tell they, they didn't like us. They saw us as, as um, you know, leeches, which I agree, you know, we, we weren't helping the community. We weren't, mm-hmm. you know, but... If you're on the other end and and you're part of the families that's benefiting from this, you were like, well, the government's not helping me. Yeah. Um, schools are crappy. Everything's crappy around here. I mean, this is how we're supporting each other. Mm-hmm. You're kind of trapped there, right? In yeah. The inner city, you're, you're almost trapped where you can't get out. Any any petty crime breaking into places, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, we would, you know, um, I mean, everything we would. I tried to do, not like. I would try not to harm innocent people who I consider innocent people. I didn't like to sell drugs to people who I thought were like, this guy has a future. Like, no. Mm-hmm. So when we would jack drug dealers, I would do that. Mm-hmm. Or or other criminals, I would like to do that. But innocent people, I didn't like to do that. But unfortunately, other people in, in the group would. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, being um, watching houses and knowing like that family's gone. Mm-hmm. You know, they would just go in there and just steal everything. Yeah. Um, but I never liked to do any of that because... I don't know. I always knew. I, I knew, like, this isn't, it's yeah. not for me. But, like, yeah. I felt stuck. Like, what else was I going to do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, you're starting to fit the, the, the stereotype that people think of army kids who are, come from a broken home and, and find structure in the army. And that that is the case in a lot of cases. It's not always the case. Yeah. Um, but it is, it is, the, the, it does happen like that because you, you see somewhere that's going to, to square you away, away. So, um, you obviously graduated high school. Well, not even. Well, yeah, homeschooling because I got I got kicked out. I was getting some so many fights, um, that they just kicked me out of the district, and they're like, "You have to you have to do independent studies." So I graduated from there. Right. So obviously, your mom probably wasn't teaching you. You just self self studying. Yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, what year did you graduate? Uh, two thousand eight. 
Oh, damn, man, you're young. Damn. <laughs> um, so when did you first think, man, maybe, maybe, I, I, I'll, maybe the army is the place for me? Or did somebody kind of talk to you about it? Or did, no, you, did no. you see an ad on TV or what? Well, since I was a kid, actually. Really? Um, you know, I, I got this picture. I think it was my birthday when I was turned seven or eight. Um, it had toy, toy plastic green soldiers that you can buy at the 99 cent store uh-huh. on the cake. Because since then, I would say, I want to be a soldier. I want to be a soldier. And now I know why. What, what, what it was is like, I like Ninja Turtles and Power Rangers, just like every, every kid. Mm-hmm. You know, Superman, Batman. <laughs> But I knew they were fake. Mm-hmm. I knew right off the bat they were fake. But I knew when I would watch movies of soldiers and, and what I would see, you know, I knew that was real. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to be like them. You know, some guys, some kids wanted to be Batman and Superman. I wanted to be a soldier because I saw that they took care of each other. I saw that they were brave. I saw that they um, they weren't necessarily hugging and saying, I love you, but I, I could see... The camaraderie, right? Yes. Yeah. And yeah. I wanted that because mm-hmm. I didn't have that. Okay. Yeah. So, so as soon as I turned 17 and a half, I went, I went to go sign up. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, uh, when, you, when you talk to the recruiter, and you are a forward observer, right? But that's your MOS? No, I was a combat engineer. Oh, you were a combat engineer yeah. when you joined. Where did you do basic? Uh, Missouri. Okay. And AIT? Yeah, Missouri. All in Missouri, right? Fort Leonard Wood? Yep. Okay. Um. My daughter's actually there right now. Oh. <laughs> the uh, so you go in the army with with your uh, your high school diploma, and you go in. Is that what you want to come an engineer? Do you want something well, different, and you got pushed that way? Well, I didn't know what the job was, but I, I would watch it when I would go to my friend's house because he had cable. Um, I saw it on the military channel that these these things IEDs were killing soldiers, and I was like, and I made this little spiel, and I was so nervous when I walked to the recruiting station. But I basically said, you know, I. I I see that IEDs kill a lot of soldiers and wound them. Um, is there a job to handle them, find the people that do this? Um, and the guy told me, well, you can be, you know, you can do Navy EOD. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can be a combat engineer. And I was like, okay, what's what's EOD? And he told me all the schooling. And I was a terrible student, you know, in school. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm not going to complete that. There's no way I'm going to fail. I'm like, what about combat engineer? And he told me the process. And I was like, that's it. Combat mm-hmm. engineer. Mm-hmm. So I com- I completed, uh, you know, went to Missouri. Okay. And uh, what was your first duty station when you graduated? Uh, Fort Lewis, which is now, uh, what is it, Joint Base Lewis-McCord. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. And uh, how was that? Talk about, because like, a, a lot of young guys ask me, you know, and when I was in, when I joined the American Army, I was 29, right? So I was mm-hmm. older and more mature, so it didn't really hit me like this. But as, as a young private coming out of basic and AIT, and then PCSing to your first duty station. How was that experience? Well, it, I remember thinking, man, I, I know there's bases near the near home. Uh, I hope I'm stationed near home, but I'm glad I didn't. Yeah, because yeah. I I have friends who joined the Marine Corps and they got stationed an hour and a half from from their house, and they yeah. never changed. Yeah, the, yeah, you're back with your old friends yeah. on the weekend and stuff. I, I always encourage people go see the world, man. Yes, you're. You're a young soldier in the army. Let the army pay, man. Go. There's guys I knew in in the infantry that would come down in orders for Korea for a year, and they'd be losing their minds. They didn't want to go, and then come back and be like, "That was awesome, man." Yeah, I got to go to the Far East and go to Australia and all these places on on, on vacation. And when I was stationed in Germany, I, I was an NCO, but I remember these young privates would take two weeks leave, 
And instead of going to see Europe, they need to go home to see mom, which is okay. Or they'd sit in the room and play freaking video games for two weeks instead of going travel around, go yeah. go see the world, you know. So I always encourage people to go go far, man. Yes. Let let the government pay pay the the, the fare. Um. So you arrive in Washington. Yeah, and um, I've never been to Washington. I, I never traveled anywhere. So I remember them saying it's going to be cold, and I was like, okay. So I just packed a sweater and stuff like that. And I landed, um, you know, at the airport, and it had just snowed. So uh, I'm wearing Converse jeans in a in a thin sweater. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I, s- I step outside, I'm ankle deep in snow. And, <laughs> and I realize like these clothes aren't just not gonna cut it. Mm-hmm. And this sweater that I thought was like a heavy duty sweater is mm-hmm. not gonna it cut is, it. It is a heavy duty sweater in in Southern California. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I grew to love nature because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, before that, I, di- I didn't. I, I, I remember looking around and be like, there's nothing here. It's, yeah. But now I'm like, there's everything here. Yeah. You know, it's beautiful. There's a lot of green. You can go out. You can go mudding. You can go shooting. You can go camping. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've climbed Mar- Mount Rainier for the day to see how high I can go and then come down. Mm-hmm. Um, I love it. I loved it. But as soon as I got there, they're like, you know, pack your bags because to, right off the bat, they were like, we're going day and night shooting, day and night demo because we leave to Iraq in four months. What you knew, were you with? Um, I was a second ID. So at this point, I was in the regular army. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, a second ID, and um, I didn't know anything about special forces or SEALs or Rangers or anything like that. I, I just thought like you got assigned there. I mm-hmm. didn't know that there was a volunteer process. I didn't know that there was a selection process. I just thought they just sent you there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I did that. Uh, came back. Um, and it, and it was you know I mean. Iraq was, you know, I mean, people were dying, people were getting hurt. Um, when, when did you go to Iraq? Uh, 2009. Mm-hmm. How long was your tour? A year. See, that that's a brutal tour. I, I tell you, I spent 24 years in the Army, never did a year. I did nine months, I think, was my longest deployment. Yeah. And I did nine months in the regular Army in Kosovo. And then I did like nine or ten months in Mosul when I was in third group. Um, with Dennis right there, who's, who's on... Um, the uh, but but you know I've told people many times that the regular army's hard man that's a hard and that's a long deployment were you in Baghdad? Um, no, we we're Cop Cobra, so there was an ODA team there. Um, we never really talked to them, but I saw them. It was a small little cop. Mm-hmm. Um, we were Cop where, Cobra. Where's Cobra? Dailala Province. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, so you saw you saw SF guys there with their freaking. Yeah, civilian clothes and their hands in their pockets. And yep, <laughs> with beards and everything. And that was my first actual. Uh, not till I was deployed was the first time I was like, "Who are they?" Yeah, you know what? What are they doing? Yeah. Um, so I came back, and I, I wanted to, I, I wanted to be SF. I was like, uh, let, "Let's let's go back a little bit." Any any uh, any big incidents in that trip? Um, yeah. So did did combat engineer scratch your itch? Did you do what you thought you were going to be doing, or was it? completely not what the recruiter said well it it was in a way it was exactly what he said yeah. um but it it wasn't i wanted more yeah you know yeah. i was i was happy with what i was doing um at the time and but then after a while i was like i, I want more i want to i want to see where i can take this um how was your leadership in that unit like your mentorship your squad oh, leaders and platoon sergeant and i i got lucky 
mm-hmm. you know, because there's some guys who who their first uh, team leader, squad leader, yeah. he might be getting a divorce or, yeah. or or his friends died and, and now he drinks. And unfortunately, I know too many people that are like the military was the worst time of my life. Yeah. You know, my leadership sucked. They didn't care. I was fortunate enough to to have great leadership. Good. Um, specifically, uh, somebody named Hugo Vanderwall. Mm-hmm. Um, there's uh, other guys, you know, Holmes, Sadler, uh, all these guys, but um, Rodriguez, Point of Floor, but Hugo Vanderwall, um, he he took me in and and he he went above and beyond. Yeah. And to this day, I always ask him, you know, what what ma- about me made you want to spend extra time, you know? And he's like, you just something in you, mm-hmm. something in that, you. That's a very common theme. And I, I spent like six years in the infantry, right in the American Army. So uh, generally, if young soldiers come in. <laughs> And they go to a good squad leader and a good chain of command. They'll, they'll be rock stars, right? And they'll they'll reenlist and they'll 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 be in the army for a long time. The same soldier comes in and goes to a shitbag squad leader, and they exist. Let's be honest, the shitbag yep. platoon sergeant doesn't yep. care, and uh, it'll destroy them, you know. And when I was a squad leader, when they were having problems with with uh, privates and stuff like that, they used to send them to me. And put them in my squad a lot, yeah. and I'd make or break them. I'd turn you into a super soldier, or I'd kick you out of the army. You you choose, right? But I give you a clean start. But that's a very common theme in the army. Yep. Good leadership produces good soldiers, and uh, so I'm glad. I'm glad you got that. I'm glad you got that leadership. And at that time in in 2008 2009, there was a lot of combat experience in uh, in the infantry units and those guys I'm sure your squad leader in particular had been to Iraq and Afghanistan yeah, and a yeah. few other places yeah yeah um, well you know we were talking about that one year de- deployment um, one of my team leaders had done an 18 month yeah, yeah. the surge yeah, yeah, the, during, when, yeah. yeah the surge they got they got they got stop lost and, and yeah we, we uh, me and Mike were uh, we were in uh, Iraq in 06 and we did like six months and then we came home and we did training and then we were back the next year and the same unit was still there and we'd been home and back again, you know? <laughs> so uh, 18 months away from your family, man, that's crazy. But yep. but it was, it was we were losing the war in Iraq at that point and uh, we had to turn it around. So um, any, anybody get wounded, killed in, in 09? Yeah. Um, well, we're, I remember one day we were going to the Chaha and mortars started coming mm-hmm. down and, and they were right on us. So two guys in front of me, he took it to the neck. The guy in front of him took it to the ribs and then two soldiers in front of him killed him instantly. Really? Um, you know, but um, so there was that. There was Iraq was the first time I had actual rockets yep. launched at me, not mm-hmm. RPGs, but like. In, Ro- indirect fire rockets. Yeah. Indirect it, fire rockets are probably one of the scariest things because they come screaming in and you have no idea where yeah. they're going to land. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah. um, you know, RPG, not, not to minimize if someone's getting shot about RPGs, but yeah. like there's that. And then there's actual rockets that you're like, what? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> where, are you, where are you getting these things? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just launching them, you know, um, some IEDs here and there. But we we found the IEDs. We didn't, I, I never got blown up um, in that time. There's there's no defusing IEDs, right? They just put a charge on it and blow it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I got to do that. Um, my whole company got to do that. A um, couple of RPGs can shard our vehicles, but nobody dying. You know, I mean, not to, at the time we didn't know any better, but a lot of TBI. Yeah, a lot of TBI yeah. going on. Yeah, yeah. But back then, um, you they would just say, just "Walk it off, brush it off. You're yep. good." Yeah, yeah. They used to call it shell shock back in freaking World War Two, right? But yep. TBI is real, man. I have it too. So, um, did you think that your 
basic AIT and that your train up for Iraq was adequate? When you got there, did you feel confident that you knew what was going on and, and uh, you, you, you could handle it? Or were you like kind of learning as you went? Yeah, it was, yeah. It was learning. Because yeah. as soon as I got there, we, we were leaving, you know. Um, so I, I learned as I, as I went. And, mm-hmm. and um, it, it was a great experience. But like, I mean, like war is like the worst yeah. best thing that you can possibly do. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Um, did you engage the enemy at all? No, no. no. The, um, Iraq at, at that time, it, they were just sending up a bunch of IDs. Um, they were just shooting at us, but they would, mm-hmm. you know, shoot, run, shoot, yeah, run. That, yeah, those hit and run tactics are very psychologically effective because you don't have people to shoot back at, right? And uh, you hit an IED, you have no, you have nobody to vent on, right? You have nobody to return fire on. Yeah. And uh, hit and run, hit and run, hit and run. And Afghanistan's like that too. Um, so, okay, so you do a year in Iraq. So we're at 2010 now? Yeah. Okay, so you come back, you go back to uh, Fort Lewis. What, yep. what happened then? Well, um, were, were you thinking about getting out at this point? Or no, were no. You, 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 you actually liked the army yeah, at this point? Yeah, people were telling me that I was a lifer. They're like, oh, you're a lifer. You look yeah. like a lifer. So you found, you found a structure you, yes. you wanted to find. Okay. Yep, and, and of course, the old me... Um, in the beginning was still there and, 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 but that, you know, good squad legion team leader stomped that out. Yeah. Um, but then I was, I was slowly developing into a, a different human being. Mm-hmm. And now I had the idea of like, maybe I can, maybe I can go higher than this, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I thought about going to, uh, SF and at the same time, there was a, a change in, in my leadership. And unfortunately that leadership sucked Yeah. and I hated you know, they they would say that you're not going to make it. They would, like, laugh at me. I'm like, you're little. They're like, they would say that all these things that, that their friends who had who did go into SF, yeah. everything that they had to do, they had to do this, they had to do that. Yeah, like, I, I, I tell people all the time, nothing in the military is as hard as people make it out to be, right? Because they want to yeah. they want to beef up their accomplishment. Oh, look yep. at me, I did this. Fucking stop, man. It's not that bad. It's not yep. that hard. And... Uh, yeah, you don't listen to people like that. These naysayers, man. No. Some of these kids, some of these kids, NCOs and stuff probably went and failed themselves. Yep. And they're like, oh, you can't make it, you know, because I didn't make it. Yeah. Yeah, they would, like, he, you know, they would say, like, oh, this squad leader from the company went and look at him. He's huge. He didn't make it. Yeah. Like, what makes you think you're going to make it? And how tall are you? How tall am I? Mm-hmm. Five, oh, five, six. And what do you weigh? Back then. 130 <laughs> 135 baby yeah yeah we need little guys too man i'm a little guy too so uh yeah go ahead sorry so but then but then they they saw the drive that i had so yeah. any school that that, that was there I, I would go to mm-hmm. and i would come back and 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 i would accomplish it and and little by little people were like okay maybe this guy does mm-hmm. you know maybe maybe he's got it did you go to sapper school um i went to no i went to r2c2 sapper um and uh but i went to best sapper competition and that they were having and the fir- and i remember even then my platoon sergeant didn't believe in me um but i remember the first day by the time i finished i was the first guy to finish and then not till 30 minutes later someone else finished yeah yeah um yeah and i, I killed it and then after that i i, I was like you know what it's time to go. The, the, you know, it's funny how people think they have this this notion that 
SF guys and Rangers and are all big, huge dudes. They're absolutely not, you know. Yeah. Stamina comes from the mind. It doesn't come from the body, you know. Yep. And 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 actually, you know, before nine eleven, there was a lot of soft guys that were big, huge monsters. But uh, try doing recce with a guy who's 240 pounds. He eats too much chow. He drinks too much water. And if he gets shot, you can't medevac him because I can't pick his ass <laughs> up, you know. You're a yeah. fucking liability. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah so, so, you know, wiry guys like you are. are, are and then you're running, you're running a gun in through Baghdad, rooftop to rooftop all night long. Those big dudes are hurting, you know. Yeah. So, I've, um, I've, seen, I've seen big guys. Um, you know, say like, hey, let's slow down. And then one, I even seen, I saw him that he had to, you know, turn his weapon over because he had, he had the, the saw. Yeah. And the captain's like, give me the fucking saw. Oh my God. And I died before I give an officer yeah. my weapon, man. Damn. Yeah. He, he never went out again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. So, so once you come back from school and, and you're looking at SF, what, what turned you off SF and, and kind of pushed you towards regiment? Well, because, um, well, Second bat is at is at Washington, but so is the S the SF group yep, and first group. Yep. I, you know, I would see mostly because of during my deployment the SF guys. So I was mm-hmm. like, maybe I can do that. And they they I was starting to kind of work on the packet, but then this like right off the bat, you know, they're like, we got another deployment going on. But by this time, I'm I'm a team leader, and they're like, t- what rank? Uh, E five. E five. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh well, no, no, not not. I'm I'm sorry. I'm a specialist. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But there, uh, one of the squad leaders was saying he's like, he's like, we're gonna get attached to SF this deployment, yeah, for something called village stability operations. Mm-hmm. They're like stick v- with- VSO. Yep. Yeah. Like VSO st- for people who don't know is where uh, they put ODAs with infantry uh, augment augmented by infantry or combat arms going to these remote villages and and set up security and try to secure. It was the same thing was tried in Vietnam. Um, but yeah, that, that was VSO and all these remote villages. Yeah. Go ahead. And, and I didn't believe them, but then once I started seeing the SF guys walking around our battalion area, I was like, oh, this is, this is going to be real. Mm-hmm. And this is, I really want to work with them. I was like, okay. And plus, obviously, you know, my guys, I didn't want to leave them. You know, that there was a piece of me that like, I, I, I can't abandon these guys. Mm-hmm. Um, so I stuck and I'm like, okay, so we went to Wardak in Afghanistan Yep. And my Hugo Vanderwall, who who's you know who was my mentor, he's mm-hmm. my you know one of my best friends. He got attached to uh, Major Jim Gant's group, um, and a lot of people who don't know that he's the one who created the whole, you know, if I'm correct, the village stability operations. He wrote he wrote the 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 book on the book on it, mm-hmm. and then you know it got implemented. So he got attached to them, and we got attached to one of their sister teams. And right off the bat, when we got there, the the um, so uh, the whole time it was with their group, you know. But again, it's a it's a one year deployment, so we got to be with three different groups. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. from the same group, or yeah, all all, th- all, all first group. No, th- third group guys. Oh, third group. I'm sorry. And, um, yeah. And um, when we got there, they had just lost three guys. Yeah. And um, they took us to to we were in in Wardak on the Ankai Valley, mm-hmm. and um. And they took us to where, you know, bits of, of the vehicle were still there. Mm-hmm. Um, they're like, this is where, you know. This they, is, they get hit with an ID. Yeah. Yep. Um, this is where you guys are going to be at, you mm-hmm. know. And we, we got there during the winter. So they're like, when spring comes, mm-hmm. be ready. Yeah. For those who don't know, in the winter in Afghanistan, things calm down quite yep. a lot. And then they, they, they 
kick off in, as soon as spring comes to kick off. What was your role uh, in, in working with that ODA? So um, I have friends who, who went to other ODAs, and from, from what I gathered, the ODAs, that, that they weren't in, like, heavy areas. They didn't really use, you yeah. know, the infantry guys because, well, there was no need to. Mm-hmm. But all, all my friends who got attached to groups were, were areas where, like, it was heavy, they got implemented very well, and that's what happened to us. They they taught us everything. They're like, you. They would look at our kids. They're like, you don't need that. You don't need that. Take that off. Take that off. Because you know we're living, living at what, eight thousand feet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, giving us some sometimes giving us some of their weapons. Like, no, this is better. Use this. Use that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, training on the razors and stuff like that, and getting ready for spring. Because when spring hit, um, you know, Iraq. You know, people were dying. You know, mm-hmm. people got hurt and stuff like that. But Afghanistan, springtime, that's when I got all my combat experience. Mm-hmm. And I remember saying, oh, I can't wait for this. You know, this is what I want. This is what I've been trained for. And I got everything plus more of what I wanted. How is your uh, how is your equipment compared to the ODA? Because, you know, I, I work for Smart for the last couple of years. So when you look at the, 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 the body armor, the vest, the, the, the helmet, the weapons and all that, um, how did it stack up against what the soft guys were carrying? Oh, nowhere near. By. Nowhere near. Like the best equipment is, is special operations, you mm-hmm. know. Our plate carriers were not that great. Yeah. Um, you know, our mags. You know, obviously some of them jammed or whatever, or even our mag pouches, like everything. It was just, you can mm. just tell it was not only did it look better, but when they gave you some of this stuff, they're like, oh yeah, this works better. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that pisses me off, you know, and, and Mattis, when he was the, uh, sec def, he, he started this thing called the close combat lethality task force. And the goal was, and they're working on it now, but nothing, nothing happens quickly in the government, but the goal was to get the best equipment out there to the guys that are dying in combat, you know, the guys, infantry, armor, engineers, special forces should have the best of everything. And, uh, the people who are sitting back in the fob, then, then, you know, you, you get, you get the rest of it, right. You get the regular stuff. Yeah. That, that, that's, that's the way it should be, man. If you're yes. up there fighting, you should have the best of it. You know, the, the, uh, America owes you that. They owe you the best of everything. Right. So, uh, Talk to me. How long was that deployment in Afghanistan? A year. A year. Okay. And Iraq it was it was a year long, and you know, I mean, you didn't know if you were gonna make it, but Afghanistan was the one time where we were just like, I'm not even thinking about going home. Like, I mean, not that I think I'm gonna die here. I'm just like, I'm thinking about what's in front of my face. Yeah. Right here. Mm-hmm. Right now. I don't care about anything. Um. Right off the bat, soon, a lot of guys are getting hurt. Um, a lot of my friends started dying. Um, you know, uh, a lot of people don't know. So like you, you have not necessarily a phone like where you can just call. I mean, yeah, you can call home, but, mm-hmm. but normally you don't receive calls, mm-hmm. you know? So when some, when, uh, when the Fox or the alpha was saying, Oh, hey Cortez, you have a call. I'm like what? I already knew right away. Mm-hmm. I don't get calls, you know, at, at our little VSP mm-hmm. and you know, it was Hugo. You know, so-and-so died. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. a week later, so-and-so died. Mm-hmm. So-and-so got hurt, you know. Mm-hmm. And then on our side, too. Mm-hmm. You know, how was, how was the, uh, we're talking 2010? Uh, 11. 11. How was the rules of engagement? Um, so, I don't, honestly, I don't know what it was. But when we got there, the alpha, when we asked them, 
the 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 the, the team they were like 18 alpha or yeah they're like go shoot yeah like yeah. we got your back mm-hmm. like right here isn't the time to be like i don't know this or yeah. that no, no no here in this area where you're at mm-hmm. shoot yeah you're not a cop you know yeah. what i mean now we we don't go out and shoot people indiscriminately but you you uh you know is that guy running towards your position is he lost or is he a suicide bomber, right? I I, yeah. I don't know, and I got about half a second to make a decision, right? So I, I'm glad those guys backed you up on that. And when I was in Iraq working with, with uh, we had armor in Sauter City. It was the same thing. They were like, they'd call on the radio, and they're like, hey, we got a guy up ahead on thermals, and they're in Bradley's, you know, and he's putting in an IED. And our team leader was like, why do I not hear your 25-millimeter cannon go yeah. off? You know what I yeah. mean? What yeah. are you waiting for? But it, it's very restrictive, in the regular army, right? It's very, very, um, doesn't make a whole lot of sense in combat. But when you work with SF, it's a little more realistic, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Which which even more made me realize, like, after this, yeah, there's no way I'm going to stay in the regular army. Yeah, yeah. Um, And, you know, I mean, in Iraq, we were rolling up to IDs and vehicles. Mm-hmm. And over there, I was rolling up to IDs in my bare hands, walking, mm-hmm. just trying to stay in the line, digging them out. Mm-hmm. You know, or or blowing them up in place, um, you know, go, going into tunnels and then, you know, because I'm the smallest guy, so <laughs> tunnel rat. <laughs> yeah, so I would have to take off my kit. Yeah, and I would go in and then, you know, I don't know what was in there, but yeah. I would go in and then I'd come out with an ID because somebody put an ID in there to hide. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And then, so what, what happened? So some of the listeners, so we didn't we didn't live on a base. Or a cop. We lived in a house, and we just secured that, and that's where we fought from. And we decided to go deeper into the valley, and they realized that right away, and they fought us hard, mm-hmm. hard. Um, and then we took over a courtyard, and we were we were fighting. So out of now, we're fighting out of two places, um, trying to build up one, literally um, filling up sandbags while some of your other guys are shooting, building it up, and. Uh, Using our vehicles, um, our uh, I forgot what the what that camera is that pops up. Flare, yeah, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Using that, yeah, it it comes on a big, uh, massive uh, pole. Basically, yep. you can put it on. It's got a thermal imager on it, and you can see in all directions and see movement. And yeah, it's a fantastic piece of kit. So we were switching off of that. Um, you know, do, every, do you have any drones there? Like your personal drones? It's uh, probably yeah, Ford. yeah. We but yeah, probably had a Raven or something. Yeah, shit. yeah, yeah. They're, they, they're, they're garbage. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. had lost one, so they're mm-hmm. like no more. Like it didn't yeah. return, so they're like no more. Yeah. Um. So we were switching off, you know, every three four days, and then I remember I I loved the the three to five or the four to six. I can remember what time it was, but like like early morning, I love that love that shift because if if they're going to attack. Yeah, it's gonna be around around them around that time, and I want that time. I want to be up. I wanted to be that guy. Mm-hmm. And I remember I switched off, and within twenty minutes, I saw some guy in a bush, and he had a shovel, and he was just squatting, and he was in at this courtyard. There was two entrances, so we had block one with big hescos, and it was only a small gap that a human can fit, and then mm-hmm. the other one was for our vehicles. Mm-hmm. And he was looking and just staring at the human path one. And uh, so we went out there, and he's like, oh, I'm just getting ready for work and stuff like that. And, yeah, I, I saw you just staring there, just squatting. Mm-hmm. So when we switched, I didn't have a good I didn't have a, um, a good feeling about it. 
So when we switched, I, I told the team leader, like, hey, this happened, this happened, like, be on the watch out. Like, I, mm-hmm. I just didn't like this. Not that day, but the next day, like at 4.30 in the morning, one of the guys wakes me up, and I didn't hear what he was telling me, but I could hear the gunfire and the, and the rockets in the distance, and they were trying to overrun it. Mm-hmm. And they got as close as two stacking on the other door, uh, and then they they started throwing grenades. Um, so, so there's that, mm-hmm. um, you know, and then, uh, you know, we had to deal with two suicide bombers, um, one being in a vehicle, mm-hmm. um, and that, that time I was, it, it was, it was the heaviest, you know, mm-hmm. so like the suicide bomber, I remember we happened to be at this local cop that we we would get our, our major supplies and, um, it was early in the morning and, and the first suicide bomber went, took off. It, it went at the gate. And then I knew there was two entrances for that cop, and I'd never really been on the other one, mm-hmm. the other uh, entrance. But I remember being on top of a truck and being like, hey, man, like, that's at the fucking gate. Like, that's at the gate. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as the team guys all gather up, and as I'm turning my head to say, like, it's at the gate, the strongest force I've ever felt in my life hit me. And next thing you know, my face is in the dirt. Um, I don't know what happened. I'm trying to like gather my senses. I'm like, okay, I'm alive. Mm-hmm. I got everything. And what it was that you the, check, you check your, you go yeah, like a functions you, check, yeah. right? You go, okay, arms, yep. legs, yep, testicles, all still there, all yeah. still there. <laughs> and I didn't know what it was, but yeah. I knew I was like, I gotta go get my kit and yeah. whatever it is, I gotta go down there because it was it was kind of built on a hill. Mm-hmm. And what it was, the first suicide bomber blew himself at the gate to allow a dump truck to go in, mm. and then you know, set it off. Mm-hmm. Um, Did you guys lose anybody? I don't even, I mean, from our team, no, but like that day alone, I think it was like 97 Americans got hurt. Um, yeah, yeah. When we went down there, it was, it was our team to, to close down the, that hole because we figured, you know, some of them were going to start running in here or mm-hmm. something. I mean, there was body parts everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, by the end of it, uh, when I went to my room, I looked at my boots and, you know, I had little, pieces of flesh stuck in my shoelaces and mm-hmm. you know i smell a death like that that smell yeah, yeah. metallic that yeah. metallic blood smell yeah, yeah um, the um how do you process that i, I mean I, I i know there's a common theme where when you're in combat yeah you're heavily involved you 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 put that stuff away somewhere to deal with it later yep. and, and it messes people up later because you just don't have time to deal with it right there you're in guard duty next day or you're yep. on patrol or whatever yeah and well, that's exactly what I did. I was like, right here, right now is not the time. It's not the time for it. And and honestly, I mean, my childhood kind of helped me because, you know, being resiliency, yeah. right? You grow up tough. You're resilient. Yep. You, you've been you've been you've been punched in the face so many times as a kid that you, you, you I think you can manage stuff like this better. I really do think that that is the case, you know, yeah. and it's been the case with me. Um, you're, you're more resilient and you're, you're used to taking hard knocks, right? Yeah. Yeah. And um. But I could tell that it affected other guys, you know. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I was like, my now isn't the time. So, and then, I don't know who made the call. They're like, you guys are just fighting. Nothing's happening. You guys are going to get moved out of this um, valley. Oh, yeah. And uh, we didn't want to. They're like, we're going to go to this other valley where other locals, the local militia is going to help you. Mm-hmm. Um, so we go over there. And was that a strategic 
decision or were they was it just too dangerous i think it was a little bit just too dangerous i think i think we weren't because the whole point was to you know build relationships Mm -hmm. and and create white space we weren't doing that we were Mm -hmm. just fighting every single day i remember one time the the chief was like if today nothing happens it will be our first three-day break yeah um in three months wow and i was like yeah yeah what like and I thought everybody was doing this. Mm-hmm. I thought everybody in Afghanistan was like yeah, this. I thought, yeah. you know, um, in the valley over, you know, we had another team, another, and, you know, they were getting casualties and stuff like that. So when they made the move, we didn't, we didn't like it because obviously we have another team right next to us. Mm-hmm. Why, why are we going to leave them? Mm-hmm. Um, so we went to this new place and they fought us again. They saw, they saw what we were doing. They saw the move. They're like, these guys are going to try to move in. Um, and again, they tried to overrun it. You know, they tried attacking it right off the bat. Um, and we had a bad feel. I had a bad feeling. I, I and I got to bring this up because it's been bugging me. I remember one day, the valley that that we had left. They got hit hard, mm-hmm. real hard. And I remember I was walking to be on the, um, to get on the computer, you know, talk to my wife, and the ODA guy, the new uh, the new team, was like, "You guys can't use the the." computers and i was like why and he's like oh because so-and-so died and i remember yelling like fuck mm-hmm. and he, he gave me a look like like i thought i think to this day i think he thought that i was saying fuck that i can't use the internet yeah but what it was is like fuck i've been here for a fucking year i'm fucking tired of yeah. my friends getting hurt i'm tired of my friends dying and we didn't know who it was, but we had friends, like personal friends over there. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're all on the same team, but like you're really close with some of these guys. So you're like, fuck, like, mm-hmm. is it him? Um, so we we went to go be QRF for them, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, mm-hmm. and uh, I have some of this footage because we had a GoPros and stuff like that. So like, you know, some of the guys are covered in blood because they're carrying their dead friends out. Um, like Just soaked, soaked in blood. Mm-hmm. Um and then soon after that, uh, they did an insider attack at oh, that place. Oh, yeah. And then actually the... He's was like, it the Afghan National Army? Yeah. Yeah. yeah one of the guys, yeah. you know. Um, yeah. Uh, so and it, and it, just so people know, an insider attack is where one of your supposedly friendly indigs that you're training and working with is is uh, basically Taliban. And he opens fire on you when you're least expecting it. And it, it's been a huge problem in Afghanistan especially. Yep. And uh, well, this SF guy that I see um, on the on in, on the internet on Instagram everywhere, he uh, I was with I was with with them. He's uh he's got a leg missing, and um, his, his IG name I think is like Machine something. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, he he was there that day. That happened to him. And, so what what happened in that interior attack? Well, from what I gathered, um, they they were getting ready to just do a, a, a mission. And then one of them got on top of the local's pickup truck that had a machine gun mounted on him, and mm-hmm. he just started shooting everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, How many people got killed? If I remember, two. Yeah. And then a lot of people got wounded. And then yeah. that big SF guy, from what I heard, was that he, he, was, he was huge. You know, yeah. he, he used his body to cover the people. Yeah. And that's how he lost his leg. And one of the guys shot him, obviously. The, the yeah. Intergent. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and I, I totally forget all the details, but actually one of the Terps, um, he's the one who told me because he gained him and his family gained citizenship 
and mm-hmm. they live close to me. So mm-hmm. once soon as he he got here, I went to go okay. meet him and have you know dinner at his house. So when you when you're when you're six eight months into that deployment, how do you are you are you thinking when you go? Because in that area, walking is is a is a brave act, right? Patrolling yep. is a brave act when you have bands of IEDs like in in, in in circles around you. So are you thinking, I'm gonna fucking die here? I'm gonna get blown up because stepping on an IED, whatever, but it's awful hitting it in your vehicle. But yep. stepping on one, yep. if you've ever seen somebody step on an IED, it's horrific, and that's why it's such a good psychological weapon. But are you walking going, well, if it's my time, it's my time? Or are you walking going, motherfucker, I'm going to step on something here? No, I. The, the, the longer it happened that we were in that deployment, the more, I like to say, I lost my mind. Because like, I was like, if it happens, it happens. Yeah. Um, you know, I was things that used to be thrilling weren't as thrilling. Yeah. So we were, you know. Well, they become real when you see bodies, right? Yeah. 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 And, and then even then, because you mm-hmm. see one body, you're like, oh, I saw one before. Yeah. And you see a couple more, you're like, well. I mean, it looks different, but another body. Yeah. Um, were, were you guys, uh, again, we're, we're back to the same thing we talked about earlier on. Were you guys killing Taliban? Yeah. With, oh. with cast, right? With close air support, yeah, probably? Both. Both. Yeah. So, so, you know, in person and, yeah. and, and, and with the, the combat controller, yeah. he, would, he would draw like a little skull on his helmet. Mm-hmm. And by the end, his whole, his whole helmet was covered with little skulls. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, like you know, it was it was up close and personal mm-hmm. um, with a lot of this. You know, sometimes we would capture them, and you knew they were bad. You mm-hmm. knew they were. Oh, bad. you do, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's it's extremely frustrating, right? I, like I've been ambushed, and they break contact, yep. and then you chase them down, and they hide their weapons, pick up farming tools, yep. and they're farming. Hey, what? Not me. Yep. And then you run a gunshot residue test on their hand, and they've just been firing a gun. You yep. know? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's a it's a very tough fight. Yeah. Yeah, it it's it's tough and, and they put a lot of restraints and restrictions. Yep. Which doesn't make sense. I, I think you know, Afghanistan went in waves. It went very good ROE to very, very restrictive ROE. Yep. And it came back up and then it it leveled out, you know. But it, it's hard to fight a war with one hand tied behind your back. It really is. Uh, and uh you, you don't wanna kill civilians and, and all that, but you know, if you're getting fired at from a compound Mm-hmm. Um, you, you have to be able to, to respond with overwhelming force. You have yep. to be, but, but yeah, I, I find that very, very stru- frustrating. Yeah. Even in SF. Oh no, no, a hundred percent. And, and they had our backs and I felt like we did exactly what we were supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, you're always going to have people complaining about this and that. And at one point, you know, cars, I said, all special operations need to leave Wardak because of, you know, killing civilians and and, mm-hmm. and torture and this and that this and that but well the enemy will exploit that too yeah. to make it look way worse than it is cars cars are a freaking heroin addict yeah. at this point you know um the uh so you you're married at this point yes and how many kids did you did you have any kids at the time yeah so my first son was born actually when i was in afghanistan okay oh, and really? um they didn't send you home well yeah the 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 team tried to get me to 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 go there, they were mm-hmm. they were very supportive. Mm-hmm. You know, it was it was actually my leadership that was kind of giving me a tough time. They're like, "You just got here. Why do you want to go?" And I'm like, "Well, my son was born. Like, I just yeah." Um, but the team, the the local team, the the team that we were with. So I was with uh, thirty three, thirty three, uh, three one two six, and three four two six. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, 33, 33, they, they were amazing. They were like, yeah, go see your son. Yeah. You know, but it was the outside leadership that was like, you're trying to leave. You just got here. Yeah. If you're going to leave, you're going to stay there. Yeah. And I'm like, well, yeah. damn. So I waited. Um, I, didn't, I didn't see my son be born. Um, by the time I saw him, I think it was like five weeks. Yeah. And then I came back, did the rest of my deployment. And by the time I came, by the time that was done, I think he was one. See, you know, it, looking back in hindsight, right, there was a lot going on at that time, but you got to take care of soldiers, man. You, 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 how hard would it be to send you back for a couple of weeks and, and the war will go on. We, we you know, I, I, that shit pisses me off. Yeah. And, and for your wife too. So, um, as you got, so when you came back from that deployment, you had one kid, right? Yep. How, how are your, and I, if, if I'm crossing a line here and you don't want to talk about it, that's fine. But how was your relationship with your wife after being, was, were you married for your first Iraq deployment too? Uh, yes. So now you've been married for three years yep. and you've been gone for two. That's hard, man. Yeah. That, that is tough. Yeah. And, and people, <laughs> people, when I tell them how, of how long I was married, they were like, oh, that's a long time. And I'm like, yeah, but like. The, almost half of it I wasn't even there so yeah, yeah. technically I'm not how old were you when you got married 19 okay and uh, but you know um, I knew her since I was like 7 oh okay yeah so growing up in, in kind of a broken home okay I gotta do this again sorry um, growing up in, in a, a broken home how was it for you having a son uh-huh. and then not being there and almost repeating a pattern. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, it. Well, right off the bat, I was like, if I just do the complete opposite of what my parents did, I would. I should be an okay dad. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, every chance that I did get to 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 be there, I I I tried to give my son everything that I, did, it, I didn't have. I, I think it's it's a and I, I had some mirror experiences, but it, it's strange how. A bad father is—it's almost a, like a role model for you because you're—you're you're like I want to not be like that. Yep. So if if you, you feel like you're you're slacking a little bit, you'd be like, oh, I I, I've seen this pattern and I'm not going to be that guy, right? Yep. So you've been married for three years and you've been gone for two. Yep. Pretty close, right? Yes. So how's that relationship when you come back and you try to? build those and the army briefs you about it like don't come back and start changing things and you know she's been managing by herself for a long time don't come in like a bull in a china shop how, how was that reunion and how was the uh, the next you know couple of months after you got back well when i came back we were, everybody was happy you know i was happy she was happy um i realized that my son was almost one mm-hmm. he didn't want me touching him yeah he, he didn't like that i uh, you know i was hugging mom he he didn't know who I was. Mm-hmm. Um, so that did hurt. Yeah. Um, but yeah. after a while, he you know he became my best friend. Yeah, you got to rebuild those bonds. Yep. Like my youngest daughter was born in two thousand four, and I deployed in two thousand four, two thousand five, two thousand six, and two thousand seven. So she was four or five before I had any relationship with her at all, and yeah. it's tough. Yeah, it is. And yeah. um, but I I, I want to mention this when I came back, there was parts of me that I, I brought back home. And she was very supportive, and she didn't um, give me any shit for it. Yeah, like was she understanding about what you've been through. Yeah, because did you tell her anything? No, but um, there was one time I was on the phone with her, and uh, 
one of our guys was leaving. The, yeah. They were leaving to the cop to the local cop to get more food and stuff like that, supplies, weapons, and, you yeah. know, ammo. And they got blown up. And she mm-hmm. heard that. Mm-hmm. I was on the phone with her. She's like, "What is that?" And I just hung up. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I never really told her anything. It's just like everybody. How's it yep. going? Oh, I'm good. Everything's you, you, good. You, you, yeah, you separate that part of your life, and you don't want family being involved at all. Like, yeah, uh, you you try to make them on. You try to make them think that I, I spent a year over there playing video games. You know what yeah. I mean? Because that, that it's healthier that way, right? But I think you know spouses in a lot of cases are unsung heroes because it's tough for them too, and especially when you don't talk about it and stuff. So yeah, yeah. But uh, she knew because our close friends were dying. Yeah. So it was kind of hard when you know my friend Pinnick who was at my house, you know, for the, for the barbecues right before we leave, mm-hmm. you know, and the wives are all hanging out. And next thing you know, you know, Martha's crying because Pinnick, Pinnick was killed. Yeah. You know, and then yeah. a week later, you know, our friend Alome got hurt. So when I'm telling her everything's good, it's all good, yeah. you know. Yeah. And friends are dying. She's she's not dumb. Did you have uh, did you have anger issues when you came back? I, I did, but it it was... It w- I, I never really, it was never out towards the public. Mm-hmm. I just held it in. Mm-hmm. And again, it was from my childhood. Mm-hmm. It was just within. Um, when I got home, so like I'm used to, you know, I don't know how many times I got woken up by gunfire, by RPGs, by whatever. That, you know, so when I went home, I had my rifle run next to my bed because it was normal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then little by little, instead of it being like literally at the at my feet, you know, um, on mm-hmm. the ground, I put it right next to the wall. And then one day I put it in the closet. And then one mm-hmm. day I just put it away. Okay. But this is months. Mm-hmm. Um, well, what other symptoms did, did you manifest? That, because at the time, you probably had no idea what was going on yep. in your head. And I've been through this, right? So I understand. So, but But now, looking back in hindsight... What other things were happening in your head as you, as you, because in World War II, you know, guys came back from combat and they, they went on a boat and it took them weeks to get home and they kind of decompressed, right? And there was a problem in, in, in Korea too and so on. Then in Vietnam, a guy was in the jungle and 24 hours later he's at home. Yeah. And it's kind of like that too, because yep. even if you come out of a, of a, a cop, a combat outpost in the middle of nowhere and you come back to Bagram, you're still in country and then you fly back and all of a sudden you're in the States and you're home in your house. Yeah. Where, whereas a day or two days ago, you were getting rockets fired at yeah. you, you know? It's a very, very difficult thing for, for somebody to process that. Your brain's not made to process that. You're, you're, and that's why, you know, PTSD, people have, have uber, you know, hypervigilance and stuff like that. But what, what other, looking back in hindsight at that period, what other uh, symptoms did you manifest, do you think? So... I would even ask her because, you know, I mean, we've known each other since we were seven. So I, I felt really open to talk about everything and anything. And I would ask her, like, in, in my in my sleep, do I do I scream? Do I do I move? Do yeah. I? Did you have problems sleeping? N- um, yes. Okay. Yeah. Do you drink? No. Okay. That, um, and that, that, that was because of my dad. Like, that, I was like. Okay. Mm-hmm. That probably helped you way more than you know. Yeah. Because if you were pouring alcohol on top of that bad situation. That that happens a lot with, with with veterans, right? Yep. But go ahead. And um, she's like, "No, you don't talk or anything." She's like, "What I do is that your lower body tensions up." She's like, "You're flexing, like it's it's almost like you're you're flexing your entire body." And she's like, "Um, and when you do that, I just you know put my hand on you, and you know just 
rub your your stomach or or, or your back mm-hmm. um and then after a few seconds you just stop mm-hmm. and then i'm like i never i, I don't know i didn't know mm-hmm. um and then sometimes i would just wake up and just couldn't go back to sleep yeah it's like i was i was so go 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 but now everything's quiet calm so i'm like why do i have a feeling like i have to do something like there's something to be done there's um Unfortunately for me is that I didn't, I was never much of a drinker yeah. because I'm a dad mm-hmm. and I worked out a lot mm-hmm. and working out helped me a lot. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, it, working out and physical exercise is so good for depression. Yep. Like it really is. Yeah. Um, and I, I know like being at home at that point and did you feel a, a loss of sense of purpose? Like, like I was doing this thing that was super important and it was mm-hmm. my whole life for a year. And now I'm sitting at home and watching TV. You yeah. Know? Did you feel something was missing? Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, I was reading updates of, of the news of my friends that were still mm-hmm. over there. I was, so I had come back physically, but mentally there's no, you know, I was, what is going on in this valley? What's going on in that valley? I have a message friend. Mm-hmm. Give me an update. What's going on over there? What's going on over here? I was still over there. So much over there. Um, and, and I wasn't happy. I, I know no matter how many we killed, yeah, my friends weren't going to come back, but I didn't care at the mm-hmm. moment. I didn't care, mm-hmm. and I just wanted to go back. Mm-hmm. And that's when I got my Ranger packet because because I, I was working towards becoming SF. But two reasons stopped that one. Um, one team came by just to chill with us for a bit, and he, one of them used to be in regiment. He told me about regiment. Mm-hmm. Um, he told me about the pipeline and stuff like that, and I just wanted to go back. And regiment sounded like more it was like for me because i was used to being conventional army yeah yeah and, and you, you know they're not conventional army but their structure they are mo- yeah they're more, very disciplined you know, yeah you know um yeah um so i was like okay i want to do that and then i'm like and he was saying if you want to go fight and that's where you that's mm-hmm. where you go mm-hmm. and 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 i had this anger in me mm-hmm. and they had killed my friends they they had tried to kill me multiple times i was not finished with them yeah and i wanted to go back as soon as possible so, mm-hmm. um, I never stopped and, you know, never gave a chance to really get to know my wife, get to know my child. Mm-hmm. Um, every what sp- did your wife think about you saying, I want to go back to war? She never, she was supportive. Really? She, and, mm-hmm. and, 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 well, which is probably part of the reason why I'm getting divorced now is that she was always supportive. She never gave me any crap for anything that I wanted to do. She was like, yes. Okay, mm-hmm. if I if I had training to go do to to prepare myself for RASP and um, you know she would make the meals and when I came back she would make the meals she would uh, help me you know stretch out well, whatever it was she would just mm. do she was just so supportive okay. um, and I never really acknowledged that and and you know mm-hmm. uh, showed my gratitude at the at the time mm. and uh, and of course she, she can tell that I was angry. Um, she would just let me be, yeah. um, you know, and then I was always on the go, go, go. So mm-hmm. when I got back, I had, I dropped my pack, my packet right away. I started training for it. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my unit knew that I was hundred percent committed, that I wasn't going to change my mind. So they gave me my own time. They're like, just checking at this time and checking at that time, go train, go mm-hmm. do what you got to do. And soon after that, I was already, I was gone. Mm-hmm. And, but by then I was already, I was an E5. Yeah. So, Sergeant. Yeah. So they're like, hey, man, it's not personal, but you got a one shot at this, okay? Mm-hmm. Because we're kind of, 
we've had some bad experiences of prior service guys coming in. Yeah. And, and, and if you don't grow up in regiment, sometimes they're like, eh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're like, and you being a combat engineer, they're like, this is what you got to do. So I had to do pre-RASP, RASP, Airborne School. Can you, can you explain pre-RASP and RASP for yeah. people who don't know? Yeah. So pre-RASP is where you... What's, what's RASP stand for? So RASP is a Ranger Assessment and Selection process. Mm-hmm. Um, and pre-RASP is where you just wait and... Um, for your class to start, mm-hmm. but and uh, are you at Benning in this point? Yeah, doing both of these. Yeah, yeah. And me being in Washington, and then going to Benning in the summer. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, yeah. I had never experienced humidity yeah. and and yeah. and heat like that. And in some ways, pre-RAS was harder than RAS because at the time we had a guy. He was a, he was the NCYC for pre-RAS, mm-hmm. and he was in the reason why he was there was because he was training up for Delta. Yeah, and he, he would kill us in a workout and a run and whatever mm-hmm. in a ruck and then he would make us go eat breakfast and as we're walking out to eat breakfast he was either going to go back on a run or go back on a on a ruck mm-hmm. um, or go back to the gym mm-hmm. and i'm guessing he made it because after i graduated rasp he was like if i don't make it into cag you know i'm gonna i'm gonna go back to first and i went to first mm-hmm. so i never saw him so. yeah yeah so yeah 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 um so so you do Ranger assessment and you pass, obviously. Yep. Right. And, and then me not being airborne qualified because second ID isn't an airborne mm-hmm. unit, I had to go do airborne school. Okay. And then um, after that, I reported. Did you, did you like jumping out of planes? I, I was so scared. The yeah. first jump. Everybody I was, is. Yeah. The very first jump, because the first, what is it, week or two weeks, or you're just learning how to fall. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I remember um, the first time I got on the plane and so we're getting ready for the first jump. Or well, before that, for dinner the day before. Yeah. So we all, obviously all the RASP guys who graduated, who you know, they're we're all we're all together and we're all having dinner. And one of them finally put his fork down and he's like, "Hey, man, I'm not scared, but you know, I'm nervous for tomorrow." And then we all put our forks yeah. down and we were like, "Oh my god, I'm, I'm nervous too, man." Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I was sitting on the plane. I remember my leg was shaking and the guy next to me is like, hey man, your leg is shaking. I was mm-hmm. like, I know. Yeah. I can't make it stop. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the first time I jumped in Ireland. We did, we did, we didn't do two weeks of training. We did like three hours of training. They're like, oh, you get in the fucking plane. And then I'm like, oh shit, we're really doing this? <laughs> oh man. <laughs> when when the doors open, you're like, oh, oh, they're, they're for real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're not <laughs> fucking around. Yeah, yeah. And, um, oh my God, it was... They're like, go. And I remember when I saw the first guy go out, I was like, holy shit, they yeah. fucking made him jump. <laughs> and and they're all jumping. And I see, I'm like two, three guys from the door. And then mm-hmm. they stop it. They're like, nope, stop, stop. Wrong stop. spot or something? No, no, no. It was just the, um, they just they just cut it. And we just had a uh, uh, loop fl- run. Yeah, loop yeah, around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I remember being like, no. Like, yeah. I was, I was ready to go. You, yeah. I was like, oh my God. So we, we loop around, which felt like eternity. And then I jumped out and it was so violent, so loud, and then peaceful. Yeah. 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 And they never told us that. Mm-hmm. So when, you know, I see, you know, I uh, had my eyes open. So like I, I saw my clothes flapping, I saw the, the wind, the violence, and then it's just completely yeah. quiet. And I was just like, it kind of scared me. I was like, yeah. Is it supposed to be like this up here? Yeah. Um, and I landed, and uh, when I landed, I remember on the bus ride back, I was so happy because as a kid, you know, you know, I was poor, so we would go like 99 cent store, and I would buy 
plastic toy soldiers. Mm -hmm. I would use a plastic bag and, and, and use... I did that too. Yeah. yeah for a paratrooper? Yeah. Yeah, I did and that too. I would throw it yeah. all the time. <laughs> and I was like, dude, you just did what you... Yeah. Since you were seven, yeah. you were doing. Yeah. Um, a sense of accomplishment, man. Yeah. You, you can't beat it. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's powerful. Yeah. Um, um, so I did that. And then they're like, you can either go to ranger school right now um, or report and then do master breacher and then go to ranger school. And I heard that they were getting ready to, to deploy. So I was like, no, I want to go. Yeah. Um, to ranger school. No, no, to, oh. to report. Oh, Cause, yeah, yeah. Cause I want to go deploy with them. Yeah. And I get there. They're like, you know, it's mid row, you know, they're like, just, you're not going to go. You're just going to stay back. And mm -hmm. I'm like, Ugh. the, the, uh, to be in ranger regiment without a ranger tab is tough right yeah. i mean yep. you're, you're not accepted yeah yep yeah. so they yeah. they saw me right away and obviously they don't know any of my history they yeah. just see yeah. me e5 no tab yeah. so they're like you know and it comes with it and i knew it you yeah. know i mean yeah. the, well it's a club right and, yeah. and the harder it is to get in that club the more it means when you get in yes. you know and I, i'll tell you from my perspective no unit in the u.s army moved up the ladder the ladder better than Ranger Regiment. Ranger Regiment on 9-11 was an infantry unit that pulled blocking positions for CAG, right? Mm -hmm. Dude, Ranger Regiment now is a tier one special operations unit, you yeah. know? So they, more than anybody else, really, really um, proved themselves in a war on terror and became a freaking, a completely different unit. You know, well, you, you probably still had high and tights back there when you were there, right? No, no, it was no, relaxed. It was already changed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Was, I can't remember what year it changed. Yeah, yeah. It, well, that that's also one of the things that I was like, you know, I was so used to the, the army haircuts, and I get there, and everyone's got you know yeah. long hair combed yeah. over, and I'm like, oh man, all right, we're relaxed <laughs> over here. Um, so yeah, I knew, I knew they were, they told me like, hey, just be ready. You know, you're gonna get some crap. So I got some crap. Yeah. Um, I went to it, it, it's it's a rite of passage. Yeah, man. that's what. It, yeah, yeah. I went to Master Breacher yep. soon after that. So explain that course to me real so, quick. So Regimental Master Breacher is a special operations um, breaching course. Mm -hmm. and did, did Range 19 put that on or, or was that a CAG or was that at Benning? It's a Benning. It's a Benning, okay. Benning, private yeah. location. Mm -hmm. um, it, and you did uh, mechanical, ballistic, and explosive breaching? Yes. Yeah. So we blew up vehicles. All types of walls from mud huts to... Blowing shit up is just fun. Yep. It really is. Everything. Two weeks of blowing up everything and anything. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so it's, it's a special operations breaching course. So we had uh, MARSOC guys with us. Um, we had uh, Israeli uh, special forces guys with us. Um, and I did that, came back, and then they're like, okay, you're going to ranger school. So mm -hmm. went to ranger school, came back. Um, and, on, and then... When I went... Did, did you feel a different atmosphere when you came back with a tab? Yeah, was yes. It? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I, yeah. I, I felt more accepted. Yeah. But the one thing was, the, you know, my deployment. So I had the second ID deployment patch and... Uh, now you need a scroll. I now, yeah, now you need a <laughs> scroll. And but, but before I forget, for RASP, my daughter was born. Oh, okay. And, and my wife was like, are you going to be there for when, you know, our daughter's born? And I was like, yeah. And then they gave me my school date. And then they're like, well, that's the same month. And she's like, it's okay. Again, super supportive. Wow. Wow. Um, didn't give me any shit. Yeah. That's that, that, uh, that's unusual, right? Yep. Two kids. Yes. Miss both the births. Yeah. 
And this is not typical in the army. Like I, I've, 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 I've four kids and I've been there for every single one of them being born, you know, it's all just timing. It's all yep. just timing. Right. Um, yeah, go ahead. Uh, so then when I went to range school, they're like, this is your range school date. And then it was, um, my daughter was going to be one, but, but they're like, I'll be back in time. But I had to redo a uh, Florida face because, um, it wasn't the right call, but, uh, like at one, two in the morning, I decided that I wanted to fight somebody at the patrol base, <laughs> you know. Um, so I had to redo Florida. Like the cadre were like, you got in a physical fight with somebody? Oh no, I wanted to, but he didn't want to. Once okay. He, once I took off everything, he he realized that I was serious. Mm-hmm. Um, which I shouldn't have done because I know better. You know, at at the time I was fighting Muay Thai, you know, training and boxing. So like I knew mm-hmm. I was gonna kick this dude's ass, and mm-hmm. I was just angry. Um, you know, when you're tired and hungry. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so I had to redo Florida. And then because of that, I missed my daughter being one. Okay. Um, again, she didn't give me crap. So when I came back, because I had to redo Florida, then I missed another deployment because in regiment, you deploy every single year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I missed that, came back. But all my friends, all these restraints and restrictions were getting even worse, right? Because I had mentioned it how they got, they were kind of giving restraints and restrictions, but the ODA didn't give it to us. Yeah. But everyone else was getting it. Yeah. And in then, Afghanistan, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Iraq was wrapping up. But the, what year What year are we talking about? So Iraq was in that period before ISIS yep. invaded and we pulled out of Iraq, yep. right? So Iraq was somewhat gone at this point. Yep. Yeah. And um, so all my friends were like, when they come back, they're like, I didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're only taking out team leaders and squad leaders. And even then, all my friends that were team leaders are like, I didn't even, I didn't even shoot my weapon. Mm-hmm. It was, it was combat controllers killing everybody. Yeah, um, yeah. They're like they have so much restraints and restraints on us. Mm-hmm. And but I was, I still wanted to go. Mm-hmm. I wanted to go because I wanted to be there just in case if something happened. I wanted to be there. Mm-hmm. I don't care if I, nothing, if I didn't want to have done anything. I just want to be there. Mm-hmm. Um. So then I was like, okay, so still training, you know, going to whatever course it would send me. Mm. Um, training, you know, doing the whole MLAT thing. So you're you're an engineer in Ranger Regiment now. Yeah. At this point, yeah. And um, so my section leader, you know, was uh somebody named Sergeant Elise, who who was killed in Afghanistan 2018. Okay. Um, I remember as soon as you said it, I was like, I know that name from somewhere. Yeah. He he was a great leader. Mm-hmm. Great leader, and and you know, we all miss him. I miss him. Mm-hmm. To this day, you know, I, I use a lot of what he taught me. He taught me to one thing that it was funny because like one of the the only one things that the the one thing I I didn't like about him was that he was nice to everybody, mm-hmm. even people who didn't deserve his kindness. Mm-hmm. And he taught me that that mm-hmm. you know what you just need to be nice to be nice. Yeah, I, I mean, people don't realize, man. Uh, you you know, you sit back at, at at the end of your career, like, and and you got out obviously, but. And you, you think about all the people you knew that got killed. I was in Bagram in 2014. I was sitting in the chow hall and they had the big screen TV up there and they had a constant loop of all the soft guys who'd been killed. And I was eating my breakfast and I was like, oh, I know him. And then a minute later or a second later, oh, I know him. And then it showed another picture and I'd be like, I was there when he died. Yeah. I put him on the helicopter when he was dying, you know, and I treated him and I tried and I was just at the end of it. I was almost in tears because there were, I had so many guys 
I knew I'd been killed, you know. And some of them I was there and some of them I knew from group, but some of them I was on the Q course with. And I was like, oh, I was in cyber school with him or, or whatever, you know. It's just amazing to, to think about the faces of the guys yeah. that, that have died. Yeah, yeah, it's horrible. Um, so you are, you're in Reg Regiment as an engineer. Go and, ahead. And so, yeah, so... I loved it. So when people ask me, you know, is the was the transition worth it? I was like, yes. To, if you to, want to if, regiment, yeah, yeah. If the training and experience that you think you're gonna get, mm -hmm. that you want, that you picture for someone who's thinking about the military, go to regiment. Yeah, yeah. You know, mm -hmm. get, get yourself in shape, drop that packet, believe in yourself. Um, you know, I mean, I was I'm five six at the time. I was mm -hmm. probably one forty. Mm -hmm. I made it through and it's mostly mental. It's, yeah. you know, yes, mm -hmm. you have to be, you have to do physical tasks, but it's mostly mental. Yeah. Just yeah. don't give up. Believe in yourself. Yeah. Don't get in your own way. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. Um, and everything, everything that I went to, you know, I saw huge Thor looking guys quit. Yeah. Ranger yeah. school, you know, um, yeah. pre rasp, everyone school, um, rasp, like everything, everything mm -hmm. that I've ever been to. So it's, it's mostly mental. Um, and I, I get messages from, from, from people, you know, like, hey, no offense, but, like, you're small. Mm -hmm. So, like, how did you do it? And then I'll click on their profiles, and they're, like, a football player or a soccer player mm -hmm. in high school or, or in college. And they're yeah. clearly bigger than me. So, yeah. right off the bat, I can tell it's a mental thing. Mm -hmm. So, I tell yeah. them, you know, you got to believe in yourself. It sounds lame, sounds corny, mm -hmm. but believe in yourself. You know, it's not going to be easy. It's going to suck, mm -hmm. you know, but just... Uh, yeah. keep at it anything worth having is worth working for right yep so um moving on at, at that point what, what what did you do next so I, w I was just so into my career so when when uh i, s I dropped that ras packet they're like hey you have to you know re-up yeah so i mm -hmm. so i extended actually so i extended so now at this point why'd um, you not why'd you not re-enlist um well because i guess you need three or four years i can't remember what it was yeah um, in your contract in order to, to do the, the transition. Yeah. And I didn't have that. So I, I had to extend mm -hmm. to qualify, you know, that three, four year. Mm -hmm. So I did that. Did you get a bonus for going to regiment? No. No. Okay. No. Um, so then I'm in my career and I'm and now, um, now I'm at master breacher again, mm -hmm. but this time I'm at as a, uh, assistant instructor. Mm -hmm. Um, and I get a call from Sergeant Solis and he's like, Hey man, he's like, we got a call saying that you're nine months out of your ets date so you need there you, you need to re-up or or start a capping mm -hmm. and uh a capping for people is it's it's i forgot what it's called uh, but it's the process it's changed now i think they call it uh soldier transition or transition assistance program yeah okay yeah. And we, we do all these classes on finance and all this stuff yeah yep. yeah, yeah i just went through it but yeah and, and because they, they really want to help soldiers trans transition very well because back then um, I remember one of the civilians who used to be a sergeant major. He's like, when I got out, they told me, they asked me, do you have a plan? And if you said yes or no, they, all they said was, thank you for your service. Yeah. Good luck. Don't let the door hit you on the way yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah. No, they do a good job, especially yes. with junior guys who they make you do all kinds of finance briefs and all that. They try to set you up for yeah. success going and, out. And you can start that process two years before you get out. Yeah. And then you can hit it heavily a year out. But okay. Yeah. So when I was nine months out, that's why whoever is responsible it was kind of upset they're like hey we're, this guy needed to start a year out yeah. he's nine months out he needs mm -hmm. to make a decision now so that's when 
you know, came back from Master Breacher, talked to my wife. You know, I had made a promise that, to be honest, I, I, I didn't think she would make me, um, you know, follow through. And I told her, I was like, when my, when my son AJ, when AJ goes to school, I will be there mm -hmm. on his first day of school. I missed a lot of birthdays, births, anniversaries, but when he goes to school, I will be there. Mm -hmm. Well, now my son's almost going to be five. Mm -hmm. it's, it's time for, you know, pre, mm -hmm. um, not kindergarten, what is it, pre-K. Yep. And then she's like, so what do you want to do? I was like, mm. she's like, you you want to sign up for two, three years more? Um, And I was like, well, if I do that, then the only thing I'm just prolonging what I'm already going to do if I get out. Mm -hmm. So I might as well get out now. Um, But then I went to a brief for, again, for SF and uh, great stuff, you know, for, at the brief, but. I was like, no, I can't. I'd miss so much. And then, yes, my service means something and stuff like that, but I, I still didn't didn't um, justify my absence mm -hmm. as being a father. Mm. And I'm like, my dad wasn't there. Yep. I mean, yeah, at the time he was an alcoholic and just beat us and stuff like that, but, I mean, I'm not there either. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, it's time to get out. Okay. And um, no how, one... How many years? You did eight years total. Yep. Okay. So my family, me being the first one, I'm the first one to be in the military. No one's ever, very few people have graduated high school. Um, but everyone else who was born in the United States, you know, now they're looking at me. Mm -hmm. No one's been to college. And I was like, I need to set the example. I need, mm -hmm. to, I need, I need to let them see that we're, we're also possible. We, we, don't, we, we may not have a long history of college gra graduates, but we can do this too. Yeah, be a good role model for your son, right? Yep. And, and, and your daughter. Um, and my cousins and, and nieces and mm -hmm. nephews. And so I decided to go to school to become a registered dietitian. And the reason why I did that was because a lot of people don't know, but being in special operations, you have a lot of resources. And, and you know, you got the, the cool guy stuff and all that in the training. Mm -hmm. But you also have physical therapists, athletic trainers, strength and conditioning coaches, mm -hmm. um, registered dietitians in our compounds mm -hmm. at our you yep, know yeah so i remember at ranger rendezvous we all gathered you know and once all the battalions got together you can have the boxing matches and the mma matches and stuff like that and i was getting ready for um a fight but not uh at rendezvous on the outside because I was, I was competing in muay thai mm -hmm. and uh, i remember seeing a registered dietitian and i had no idea what that was but i was like it's got the word diet in it mm -hmm. She probably should probably go talk to her mm -hmm. and i talked to her and she changed you know she she changed my life because i mean now i'm going to school to become a registered dietitian mm -hmm. i think that's the cutoff for a lot of people you know once you get up eight ten between eight and twelve years usually when people go over ten they're like i might as well knock it out i might as well finish it out now at this point and i would never i, I mean i stayed in the army obviously but I would never fault anybody. Number one, I'd never fault them for joining and I'd never fault them for getting out like you did at, at your point because it's almost, like a, it's almost like a hidden secret in America. If you get a young kid out of high school and you put him in the army, even for three years, and he has the GI Bill to move on and do college and all that, and he has the discipline and structure if he's the right kid, then it, it really will stand to you and, 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 and affect you and, and kind of set you up for success in the future. But uh, so you get out and... Any, any sense of loss when you get out? Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember, so... So I've been through this 
before too. So I, I, yeah. I know exactly where you're going to talk about. Go, go, go ahead. So my buddy from third group, you know, he'd gotten out, which was also helped me get out because so many of the guys who I look up to from third group had gotten out because they were tired of the restraints and restrictions and all the stuff that was yeah. happening. Mm-hmm. And I was like, they're getting out. You know, now this is happening in front of my face. Like, I should probably get out too, which is probably another reason. It's just another reason why I got out. And I called him up and I told him, you know, any, any advice, you know? And all he said was be ready for the storm. Yeah. And um, that's all he said. And I remember I got out in the first three months. I like to call it the honeymoon phase, you know, because her family and my family are, are, they're from Southern California. So, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're, they're probably live close, right? Because yep. you, you've known her for yeah. your whole life. Yeah. Yeah. We mm-hmm. two blocks away. Really? Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, um, so everyone's happy. We're all, everything's good. We're, I'm going to school. Uh, everything's great. And I remember, you know, we were getting ready for bed. And, and I remember telling her, like, you know, he said, be ready for the storm. But what storm? Like, I know, I guess, this I guess, is awesome. I was like, yeah, I guess, <laughs> I guess some people have and some people don't. Yeah. yeah. And then mm-hmm. almost immediately, um, stuff that in our relationship that I was putting off that, that, you know, we were both putting off. Mm-hmm. Now it's in front of our face. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm having questions that I never thought I would have. Like, why did my friends die? Mm-hmm. What, what was the whole purpose of this? You know, feeling you have, bad. You have that survivor's guilt. A little bit and of you, that. You didn't get hit, and they did. Some people, yeah. Have it, that. Well, I did have it, but it's like it's not what how some people think that. Like, oh, you're like sitting in the corner, and you're like, oh, what well, you know? No, it was I was, which was threw me off even more because I was being super productive. Mm-hmm. I, I found a. a, a boxing gym right away i started training right away i went to school right away um started getting good getting good grades but you know that alone can fool somebody because it makes you think that i was having a great transition but no mm-hmm. internally i was having all these questions even more i couldn't go to sleep mm-hmm. i was abusing nyquil i would buy it at costco and and i would down you know i was down to go to sleep mm-hmm. and, and i would tell you know my wife i would be like the machine's got to keep going as in me, yeah. you know, well, yeah. I need my rest because mm-hmm. tomorrow I got to train and I got to go study mm-hmm. and I got to go to class and then I would run on coffee and energy drinks. She's like, you can't be drinking these five hour energy shots all day, every day. And I'm like, well, the machine's got to keep going. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I realized I was a great army dad. By that, I mean, it's like I would come back, hang out, do things, and then I would leave. Mm-hmm. But now they're in front of my face and I realized I don't know anything about my kids. And, and you're, you're dealing with stuff that people don't understand this too. When you're deployed for a year, you don't have to deal with bills. Mm-hmm. You don't have to deal with sick kids. You don't mm-hmm. have to deal with all this stuff that the spouse deals with. That That's just hard to deal with when, you, when you're when you not, when you come back. Yeah. And it's it's like, okay, I need to do this and this and this and this and this. And it's all a pain in the ass and the screen door's broken. And you got to fix it. And you know what I mean? That That's all those little things add up. Yes. And speaking of that so right you know it didn't take long after after those three months to everything go down i had saved up some money and and it all went because california's expensive mm-hmm. and then on the freeway my my right control arm broke um i lost control and luckily i i you know i didn't get in a major accident um got it fixed and to get it fixed at all the damage it was almost three grand mm-hmm. which was more than half of what i had already saved Mm. And then my GI Bill, for whatever reason, I didn't get paid for two months. Mm. And then now I am finding myself asking my aunt for $5 so I can go to get gas, so I can go to the yogurt store that I worked at. Mm -hmm. And I remember just being 
angry, lost, being like, you had a career, man. Like you had a, mm -hmm. you had a house, yep. you had a driveway. Mm -hmm. Now you're, you know, you were a fucking army ranger. Now you're broke. Mm -hmm. You're about to get a divorce. Mm -hmm. The reason why you got out to see your kids, you're not even seeing your kids anymore because you know, you don't live with her. Mm -hmm. You have to ask your aunt for $5. You're sleeping on a futon. Did you move back to the same neighborhood? Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. Um, my family at that point, they moved to like a city nearby, yeah. which is, it's better, way yeah. better. Yeah. You know, way okay. better. Mm -hmm. um, well, you don't want to fall in with the, with the, the bad crowd again, yeah. you know? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, feeling lost. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I found, I missed everybody. I missed see, even see, the. See, that's where the guys who pour alcohol on that problem. Yeah. And look at their uniforms hanging in the closet. That's where they freaking put a gun in their, to their head, you know? Yeah. But uh, luckily you didn't. And and, and I, I think alcohol probably helped, not taking alcohol yeah. probably helped you a lot. You know? and, and your physical fitness and, and your, your drive to work out probably helped you a lot too. And it's not like, people don't understand, you're going through PTSD. That's what it is, right? But it's not, oh, I'm so sad because I shot this guy or this. It's loss of sense of purpose. For yes. guys like us, it's it, that. that's the the... the the thing that dropped, you're like, oh my God, I was I was doing the Lord's work at one point and now yep. I'm at home asking for $5, right? Yeah. yeah. And I, uh, of course, of course there was times where I wanted to maybe reach for the bottle or, or be in self-destruction mode, but like I knew like that's not the answer. Mm -hmm. So like I was being productive, super did, productive. Did the briefings coming out in your transition assistance no. Prepare you? Did they no. prepare you? No, not I can't at all. remember if they talked. Like I, I know. So Chad Robichaud that that Mike has interviewed. He he runs his ex marine runs the Mighty Oaks Foundation. He goes to the Marines and he goes to the Marine Corps and talks to kids at the um, basic training level, saying, "Look, this is coming. Mm -hmm. Whether you know it or not, this is coming later on." And it kind of sets their mind up very early on in their career to uh, to to be ready for this because it doesn't matter who you are. You can't deploy year after year after year and getting gunfights and rockets and artillery and hit IEDs and not have it affect you later on. I don't give yeah. a fuck who you are and yeah. how tough you think you are. Yeah. hundred percent. And so I was like, okay, so I needed to find a purpose. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have any friends. Mm -hmm. Even the guys who I, not necessarily considered shit bags, but like maybe the, even the guys I didn't really like in regiment, mm -hmm. I miss them now. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. I, I find myself at the end being less judgmental of people, you know what I mean? Because I was the guy, like, at one point, it would be like, ah, that, that guy's a shit bag, you know what I mean? But but uh, everybody's got shit going on. Everybody's yeah. got baggage, and everybody's yep. got stuff they're dealing with. And yep. I, I find myself so much more understanding now that I'm out, you know? Yeah, um, yeah I was very, I, was, I, I had been hard on people in the past, you know, but now I'm just like, yeah, you know, these guys have been through hell in some cases. And um, so I made friends right away. And so my first friend was actually a female Marine in my history class. Her name's Yadira. Mm -hmm. And then right after that, she told me, oh, you're a ranger? There's a ranger here. Um, mm -hmm. He's from, and she's like second battalion. And I was like, okay. And he became, he, I don't think he, I tell him, but I just don't think he understands of how much he helped me. Mm. Do you, you know? do you did you find you could you could talk to him the way you yeah. couldn't talk to other people? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, he, and and he understood and he helped me so much. Mm -hmm. You know, and we're still in, this, what, in what way? I 
it, it sounds corny. Yeah, it sounds, it sounds corny. Sounds, but talking about yeah. it helps. Yeah. It, it really does. Yeah. And figuring out that you're not the only one, that yeah. helps a lot too. That, yeah. that, that's what it was, you mm -hmm. know? He was going through it. I was going through it. And it was funny that when I would see him, you know, because he, he had gone shot actually on target. So, you know, he got shot uh, in the arm, mm -hmm. in the chest. Um, I think a little bit in the leg, if I remember right. Um, mm. Yeah, the leg. Did, did some hit his body armor? Is that why? Yeah, he, yeah, 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 yeah. That happens a lot. You get stitched up, and your legs take it. Your chest gets stopped by a body armor, yep. and then your arms get hit. Or, or yeah, and um, you know, so when I would see him do things that I'm like, hey man, you gotta do this, you gotta do that, and then he would do it for me, you mm -hmm. know, and then we would help at school because we would, unfortunately we would see some veterans who are like, hey, C's get degrees. I'm just here to get the check, the GI Bill check, mm -hmm. and then. We didn't want to be like that. We mm -hmm. wanted to continue the discipline, the success, the holding mm -hmm. the standards, the, you know, um, we wanted to continue what we were doing, what the military taught us. Mm -hmm. So he, that, that's how we, you know, best fit. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, don't get me wrong. We were still, we were out young, mm -hmm. slacking off. We would of course go to like, you know, go to Vegas and just rage and stuff like that. But we took care of business mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, he just graduated from USC Mm -hmm. for business actually good yeah um yeah and 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 you know you you see you see veterans fall off fall off the the the, the train basically and, and fall apart you know yeah but you know maybe they, those guys weren't strong when when they got in you know if you if you're if you're a weak person when you join the army you're going to be a weak person when you leave the army if you're a strong person when you join the army the army's going to make you stronger right yeah. but uh yeah some guys don't get help and, and that's you need you, like you had a mentor basically to talk to and some and an outlet and, and somebody who'd been through exactly what you've been through so you knew how how to to kind of get that off your chest right yeah yeah couple couple of questions here somebody asked about your t-shirt hoodlums and so this this shirt uh so i have my own um t-shirt and sticker company mm -hmm. and uh the way it uh it created this thing was um so in between semesters, so you get paid, you know, a, a good BAH when you're going to school, but in between semesters, you have to work. Uh, you you don't get paid, you know. Mm -hmm. So there's uh, there's there's that fine print. So as long as you're going to school, you get paid. But in between semesters, you got to figure out, you know, how to make money. So I would work these odd jobs, like at a yogurt shop. Um, I did a little contracting stateside. I used to deliver for a dispensary, and um. Um, I would share, um, some combat footage and, 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 you know, cool guy pictures on, on Instagram and, mm -hmm. and I would, uh, give advice to, you know, guys who are trying to, um, join the military, especially, you know, regiment. Do you, do you find it therapeutic to give back? Yes. Yeah. I, I, I've, I've, I had, I heard a guy say that, that Mike was interviewing a long time ago and, and I was like, you know, that's very, very accurate right there. Part of your therapy is to give back. Yes. Right. Just, just I, I, I want to get back into your story. Just a quick segue. Somebody said, ask him about shooting windshields. <laughs> they said you'll get it. I don't know. Inside <laughs> joke. Um, all right. I'm going to get to these questions that people asked here in a few minutes. Yeah. But so you're in college now, doing a dietitian. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um. And, well, and so you have you have four <clears throat> kids now. Three. Three. Okay. Yeah. And and, and, and uh, before I forget, so for the shirt, so um. I would um, get more followers and stuff like that. So like friends who had clothing companies or, or yeah. would give me free stuff. And one day, you know, somebody was like, oh, is that your shirt? I'm like, 
no, it's not, but it's my friends. You can go buy at his at his site. Yeah. And then I was after two years, I was I was tired of of working at these fast food fast food places and having teenagers yell at me and stuff like that. And so I decided to start the company and in my combat footage, um I I, I wore a lot of skeleton gloves. Yeah. Um I like Halloween. And uh, my son drew me a pumpkin, which I actually have tattooed on me. Mm-hmm. And this was the first sticker. And then I've sent this sticker all over the world. Mm-hmm. Um, some some people, when you were in the restroom, I said, hey, any questions for him? Yeah. And some people are like, hey, just tell him thank you for your service, you know, which is always a weird thing to find. Super I, I, weird. I find it hard. I never know what to say, you know. People are like, thank you for your service. And I'm like, I got paid, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, but but... People like to say it because a lot of Americans are very, very patriotic, and, yeah. and I like it, but it always makes me feel uncomfortable almost. Well, wait, you know? What do you say? Sometimes I say, I say no problem, or yeah. or I laugh, and I'm like, eh. And so then somebody th- somebody's told me or, or posted somewhere when people say that, say, best job I ever had, you know? Um, and, and maybe that's a way to respond, but 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 uh, people do appreciate your service, you know? Yeah. And uh, that that's one, one of many great things about America. So... Um, so you're at college right now. Oh yeah, yeah. You, you. I'm gonna try to get us back on track here. You're at college right now. You have three kids. Yep. I thought you had four. Or three. Oh, uh, three. Three. Yeah. And you're going through divorce now. Yeah. So. Right? So, I mean, um, after she stuck with you through all the hard stuff, I mean, what do you, what do you think, kind of led to where you are now? So, a lot of things. So I realized. I realized a lot of my mistakes and I started, you know, working on myself. Um, school helped. Mm-hmm. Uh, went to therapy went, and, and I was developing into a, a better human being. And I thought she would, I thought she would do the same. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I'm not here to, to say all her mistakes and stuff like that, but um, I messed up because I feel like a lot of things probably wouldn't have happened if I, who I am now, mm-hmm. I was like that years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, who people see online, that's not how I was, mm-hmm. you know. Well, you, how old are you now? 29. So you're very young still, right? And you went through a lot from a very early age, right? It's, it's kind of, that's the problem with young soldiers to get hit with so much early. Mm-hmm. It's hard for them to process it, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, like when I was 21, 22, I was a fraction of who I am now. We all were. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, I was a psychopath when I was young <laughs> man. Yeah. Um, so, you know, um, it was just we were just arguing so much, and mm-hmm. my kids are so much older, and and I knew I was like, I don't want to argue in front of my kids. Like this is what I saw growing up. Yeah. Like, you didn't, yeah. but I did, and yeah. just you know, not enjoying my kids and stuff like that, and mm-hmm. it's how to call it. Okay. All right. Sometimes it, when when it's time to call it, it's time to call it. But sometimes it's time to, after you get out, just blame everything on the army and start fresh. You know what I mean? <laughs> but you, sometimes people can and cannot do that. You know. Um, but I hope you guys stay friends because you obviously grew up together and yeah, you you, I, were, you were very close. Yeah. Yeah, and and you know, I mean, I, I find myself at night reaching for somebody that's not there. Yeah. You know, yeah. she was my best friend, and yeah, and I I need to work on some stuff yep. relationship wise that I, 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 I told her, you mm-hmm. know, last week I told her, I realized that I was spending so much time and if I would have just spent some of that energy on you, mm-hmm. the kids, mm-hmm. not even the kids, just you. Cause mm-hmm. I spent it on the kids, but yeah. I wouldn't do it with her. 
Yeah. I'm like, yeah, yeah. a lot of this, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And it's, it's a fairly common theme and, and spouses don't understand how you can be so awesome at your job in the military mm-hmm. and not anywhere near as good at being a husband or father. Right. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, but strange times, man, you know, not, not a lot of people go through, you know, when, when your deployments in war and get rocketed and shot at and all that, and it does affect you. But I, 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 I um, I, I, you, you seem to be dealing with it now mm-hmm. and, uh, you never know what's under the surface. Right. But, but, uh, good for you. Um, Somebody asked on IG, they said, what would you like to see in law enforcement, just based on your, your, your childhood, I guess? What would I like to see in law enforcement? Like the change, <clears throat> what changes you like to see law enforcement do just from what you, when you grew up? Yeah. Um, so my uncle's a, he's a former Marine, and then now he's SWAT. Mm-hmm. Um, so I hear him. And so I'm like, I'm not, I can't say anything about law enforcement because I'm not in it. Mm-hmm. But what he has, you know, voiced is... Police officers need more training. Mm-hmm. You think that they're shooters? They're not oh, they're shooters. Not. No, they're not. I know. I train police officers sometimes. Yep. Um, hand-to-hand combat for mm-hmm. a for a job that's so hands-on. Yep. He doesn't understand why there's no hand-to-hand mm-hmm. combat training. I, I was saying to a cop actually a couple of weeks ago, a SWAT guy. If I was a cop, I'd be a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. Yes. And I'd be an IPSC or IDPA master class shooter. Man, yes. those two, and I'd be really good shit for chasing people. Right. Yep. Um, but yeah, but but uh, just on on the on the, I think the question was geared more towards um, uh, relationships with the neighborhoods and oh, stuff like that. Um, I, I minorities in, in 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 bad neighborhoods well, growing up. From what I, it's that job. That job is it's hard. It is. It's it hard. really is, and it's underappreciated, and it, it's over scrutinized sometimes. Yeah, and we hold them to a high standard. We should, but it is a very tough job. Like I, I've been to war many, many times, and I, I've been in gunfights many, many times. But when I'm deployed, it's dangerous. When I come back home, it's chill, right? Yeah. Cops go to work every single day. Yes. Uh, and yeah. Yeah. Nobody calls them and is like, "Hey, man, I got a barbecue. You want to yeah, come over? Yeah, you're you're yeah. only called because you're yep. to deal with the bad and the ugly." of society mm-hmm. so what i would say is that some of them are always turned on even mm-hmm. in a situation that isn't yep. as a matter of fact um it happened to me recently um i got pulled over um my brother and i just got done training uh he was getting ready for a fight so i was training with him mm-hmm. and a cop right away he came in hot mm-hmm. he came in you know he saw me okay well, we're both mexican we have tattoos but we're not bald mm-hmm. um Pulled me right over in front of my house. Mm-hmm. He, you know, they told us to get out. They took pictures of all of our tattoos. Made me take off my shirt in front of my mm-hmm. my neighborhood. Mm. Document all my tattoos. And I mean, I'm not even a gang member. I know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, my car's not even. Yeah. You know, I don't have a lowrider. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, yeah, so yeah. it's like I get it, man. Like. So we stereotyped you, man. Yeah. 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 Um, all right. Let's talk. So. Let's talk about your logo. Let's talk about your shirts. Let's talk about where people can contact you if they want to send you messages and, and, yes. and follow you and stuff. Um, so on Instagram, it's mm-hmm. uh, Angel G Cortez 175. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I message people about everything and anything. You know, at first it was people asking help to join regiment. And then it was guys from, you name it, any, any major city mm-hmm. that has troubled areas they're like hey mm-hmm. you know i'm stuck in here well you you got out 
That, yeah. That's, the, that's the, the, the draw for kids like that. Yeah. I mean, like you grew up in, in the inner city yeah. and you got out, you know, yeah. and not everybody gets out. Actually, probably very few get out, right? Because yeah. you get rolled up early, you get a criminal record, and then you're, you're screwed, right? Yep. Yep. And then even guys who are, who are transitioning out, they're like, hey, you know, give me some advice. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to go to school. Or, yeah. you know, so I try to hop out people as much as I can. Um, so you can reach me there, send me a message there. I'll get back to you. I try mm-hmm. to get back to everybody in as detail as possible. Um, so yeah, message me there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then as for the, like the logo. So, I mean, yeah, like I was saying, I was just tired of odd jobs and I decided to go for it. Um, so my son drew me that and I, I, I didn't know how I was going to be taken, you know, mm-hmm. by everybody. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Hey, who, who wants one? And everybody wanted one. Yeah. I sent a hundred. The first batch was a hundred and I sent a hundred everywhere. Mm. And then after that, it was for sale. And then when somebody said, I try to make everything Halloween theme. So it's like Mm -hmm. military base, but Halloween theme. And it, uh, it all has like meaning, you know? Um, Yeah. It's like, I only have one tattoo and it's a team ODA tattoo, you know? And I was at a a shooting match one time and this old guy was like, hey, what's that tattoo? And I was like, there's a story behind that. And he's like, there's a story behind them all. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's um, funny. So, uh, yeah, so the first, my first shirt was also the sticker. Um, And then the second shirt was actual, uh, I used to sometimes wear, uh, I would take a mask. You know, I mean, I'm not the first guy to wear a war, war paint or a mask or a bandana, but mm-hmm. I would do that. Um, and it's this Mexican wrestler. So it would, it's, I took a picture of me on not, a two four. Not, Nacho Libre. <laughs> <laughs> I, I took a picture of, yeah. of, of me on a 240. Yeah. Um, put the mask, have, had, I had an artist put that, put that mask on there. Yeah. Um, and I put war as a drug. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, but this one specifically it means a lot because uh it was a friend who got killed uh, mm-hmm. yeah he was killed you know rod you know february 2020 yeah um mm-hmm. and he was a big supporter and i didn't know this mm-hmm. you know i mean people buy things and sometimes i look who it is and i can kind of tell from the area like oh that's like that's a military base mm-hmm. but he had bought some stuff and i didn't know and one day he messaged me and 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 He's like, hey man, like, I love your stuff. And I was like, oh, you know, appreciate the support. And then he said something that he was a ranger. And I was like, oh, so I followed him. And mm-hmm. then we started talking. Um, so we had been at similar places when we were both in regiment, but I had never talked to him. Mm-hmm. And I started talking to him once he joined um, Special Forces. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's how I knew him first as, as an SF guy. And then, but once I found out he was in regiment, you know, we would talk like, you know, every, every month for sure. Like mm-hmm. I would say every other week we would talk. Um, and you would, you know, always be supportive. And one day he messaged me, he's like, Hey, your war is a drug shirt. Like, how did you, how did you do that? Like, I want to take a real life image and I want to make it into a t-shirt as well. Um, and I told him, you know, you, um, find your artist. I told him do this, do that, do this. And he's like, okay. Um, and he's like, and then he got deployed and he's like, Oh, by the way, uh, the, your shirt, your the world is yours. So I took the Scarface, um, you know, the blimp when it when it says the world is yours. Mm-hmm. I, you seen Scarface? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I put a pumpkin. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I put a pumpkin on the blimp. Yeah. And I have it. The world is yours because you know, I truly believe if you 
believe in yourself and you just you know the world is yours mm-hmm. for your taking um just gotta work hard it's not gonna be handed to you um, yeah and he's like can i pre-order it and i'm like oh man it's not they're not gonna be ready um until next week mm-hmm. and then i was just gonna send him one but that weekend he was killed oh man so mm-hmm. i contacted my artist that he liked for this shirt i told him my friend just got killed um he wanted he liked your idea that we both did this is the image that he wants to create in real life mm-hmm. turn into a, a shirt and he's like i'll do it and so so the artist is scumbag boogie and he and he did it right away mm. and this is the shirt and then so the back image um you know it's all his idea turn around let's, let's just show instagram Yeah, move to the right a little bit. A little more. There you go. Cool. Yeah. And uh, so I made that. And then, you know, so I went to his funeral and stuff like that. But um, all the pro, like the uh, the proceeds have been going to his family. Good. You know, so because mm-hmm. thanks for everyone who's been supporting this shirt. Mm-hmm. You know, um, sent a couple couple grand to, to his family mm-hmm. i mean i mean it's not going to replace him but mm-hmm. um you know i mean sometimes the family just need to know people care man yeah people notice yeah yeah so yeah, yeah this is it's probably my favorite shirt okay um one more question and then we'll wrap it up worst, worst day best day in your whole army career best day um pinning pinning on your injured tab no no i would say my scroll not the tab oh scroll okay. yeah the yeah. scroll yeah because you know i mean i've seen black hawk down i've seen Empire ryan yeah and and when i made it like that yeah you're in the club now i mean, I mean yeah, yeah, yeah 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 the explosive club and then worst day you know i mean every time i've you get the news, so and so died. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Any uh this is not this is me. Any regrets on serving in the military? No. Yeah, you'll carry it with you the rest yeah. of your life, you know. Yeah. Um all right, Angel. Hey, thanks for being here, man. That was uh that was good. It was informative and hopefully it will help somebody else out there to understand that they're not the only one, that there is a price to be paid for going to combat and uh there are people that'll help you. There's still 22 veterans a day commit suicide, which is a freaking ridiculous number. Yeah. Um, and, and hopefully, maybe, maybe this will help somebody else. All right. So I really appreciate you being there, being here, and uh, thank you for your service. No. And th- uh, thank you, sir. Like, I mean, I, I, <laughs> I mean, I mentioned it to you before this, but I mean, I'm a big fan of yours. Mm-hmm. And when Mike said, you know, you're gonna pick me up, I, I was so excited. And mm-hmm. you know, I mean, thank you, sir. I mean. Yeah. Well, we've all been through a lot, man. So. Um, all right, brother. But this is about to key off here on, on IG. I really appreciate being, appreciate you being here. All right, that's the end. Uh thanks for tuning in, guys. And until the next time, stay lit, stay alive.